Monster of the Week is filmed before a live studio audience. I'm Jeremy Greer. And I'm his co-host, Chris Mosier. And we're Monster of the Week. Chris. Jeremy. You know what I like about doing this, this podcast? What's that, Jeremy? It's the hunks. Oh, you know I love me a good hunk. It's time for season five. It's time for hunks. Lucifer's free. I'm shook. Totally. That's all I know. 100% shook. I am beyond shook. And I'm shake. Does that make sense? Is that a thing that teens say? Yeah. 100%. Yes. I'm shake family. Is that... <laughs> Hello. I am shake family. <laughs> Dean can kind of appreciate it. Appreciate that, like, I do kind of kick ass, don't I? You know, and it's, it's, I'm glad that Dean gets to have this moment because, you know, uh, season five is not going to go great from here. Sam and Dean have, they're back from the, the den. I mean, not that recently, but they've both, they both died before and, and they're back. They've been back for a while, but they're, but they're back. Nothing's fine, I'm That dude was writing a biography about uh, Abraham Lincoln, and apparently Sam is extremely into Gandhi. Yeah, which is kind of surprising considering Gandhi didn't stop the apocalypse, but I've heard that he has his uh, dark sides too, so. Yo, Chris, this dude's veins. Like, he is he's, in there. He's got some fucking muscles working in there. He's What? You know, I, wrote, I wrote down sideburns and arm veins as yeah. Sam cuts into a corpse at the morgue. They don't just dig into it, because Sam cuts the entire top of this guy's head off. <laughs> yeah. And then takes his brain out. Smamford University, dude. There's just so many things that I can't touch on. I'm all This is how I feel. And then we get this weird zoom shot oh to Castiel dude, in my, the background. It's the best shot. It is the I best shot ever. I love it so much. Like, this is like dramatic 1970s incredible Hulk style like bionic man zoomed to Castiel Dean tells Sam that John and Mary fought all the time just like you know a, a regular couple I guess you know even there was one point where, where John had moved out for a few weeks or a few days whatever it was Dean goes up he says hold on I need to just do this one thing he walks up to her and he says it's okay mom dad still loves you I love you too. I'll never leave you. And it's just a, such a sweet moment because even though Jensen Ackles is saying it, I pictured a four-year-old saying it. But at its best, it's, it's stuff like this where you get real emotions like that these two brothers would, would feel for each other after going through four years of all of this dramatic cosmic nonsense. Uh, and then... You know, Castiel there, Castiel being who he is, which is a, a cosmic entity that is rebelling against his father, uh, is partnering with these two crazy humans to try to save humanity, which is, it, again, it, it's it's just way nuts, and it, it's very, very undersold. Yeah, and looking at our hunks, it's important, they don't ever really t- talk about it or acknowledge it, 
uh, because people are always dying for Sam and Dean and they feel bad about it. Uh, but when they are able to affect that kind of change in somebody, because Sam and Dean are heroes, no matter how much we break them down, and the people around them are affected by that. You know, Castiel was just a dude following orders until he met, like, truly, like, good heroic people. Two great examples of humanity, despite everything else that they've done. Sam and Dean are always fighting for the people. They're like fucking superheroes. And and Cassio was affected by that, and, and he was able to become a hero in his own right and defy orders and rebel against heaven. They pull out the best in people, despite all of the darkness in the show. I'm Jeremy Greer. I'm Chris Mosier. The only thing that you're going to see out there is Michael killing your brother. Well, then I ain't going to let him die alone. And this is Monster of the Week, the creepy but necessary podcast where Chris and I cover every single episode of the TV show, TV show Supernatural. Sometimes we even get all the words right in the intro. That's really fun. Uh, this week, yeah. Chris, it's an exciting time. Uh, Man. Are you ready to cry on a podcast for the first time in your life? I'm pretty, I'm pretty <laughs> torn about this. You being are. Is that- I'm really excited to, to cover these episodes, but I'm, I'm, I'm sad to see season five go. It's it's going to be a, a sad time, although I have a, a sense of excitement about it. Like, even though we're ending season five, we're yeah. going to get into some relatively new territory. Like, I don't – I've seen the first five seasons quite a few times. I think you, mm-hmm. you're with me, too. But, uh, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. like, I haven't seen those a, a whole lot. So it's going to be kind of fun getting into these little by little. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I am excited for, for new – uh, hashtag content uh, hashtag to get back content. to some like monster of the week type episodes mm-hmm. but man season five i've been so nostalgic about it watching it and, and kind of reliving watching it week to week back when it first aired putting myself back in the uh in the shoes of 19 year old chris and um it's been fun. It's been a lot How, of fun. Uh, what size was old 19 year old chris wearing back then <laughs> are, still, are you- they were still <laughs> size 16 <laughs> still really <clears throat> yeah i mean it's not like i kept my feet kept growing in my 20s you know they kind of peaked with in you know in high school <laughs> well i didn't know some people hit growth spurts when they're after the, you know they get out of school and everything yeah not this guy not that dude okay well size 26 as it is <clears throat> so if you are interested in my size 26 shoes mm-hmm. uh you can you can get more <laughs> that kind of thing <laughs> please um can you on our, can you on really? our no um well if you'd like to support discussion about size 26 shoes and the TV show mm-hmm, supernatural, mm-hmm. you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash monster of the week. There's no way to talk about this without sounding like a dang buffoon. Um, but we really appreciate everybody who's helped us so far. Uh, it's, it's helping us gear up to do some, some new fun bonus episodes. I think we will have released one with this episode. 
Yeah, it should be out in or around, on or around today. If you're listening to this on the uh, normal feed, not the early feed, uh, if, and you're a patron, you should have access to our special bonus episode that we're going to do on the Ghost Facers web series. We haven't recorded that yet. Um, we're... I was out of town for a while, and Chris was off at a magical wizarding academy learning how to um, find his dad and mom, which is kind of a weird school, but that, that's what they do up there. Uh, so we just got a little bit behind, so we're playing catch up, but we, we'll have all of that done by the time this episode is released publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, as part of that Patreon, we every week we thank two people um, that have donated to the Patreon. So this week, it's our good friend, Caitlin. Uh, I, I want to give a special shout out to Caitlin because she. Um, recently wrote me and said, Hey, I think it'd be really funny if you made a video of that one scene in, in the supernatural episode, uh, where the fake ghost lady, um, is trying to pretend to be a ghost for all the ghost children and her phone rings. But instead of the, the Missy Elliott knockoff, it's actually Vormy daddy from the podcast, salt, salt, from the salt report podcast. And so I made that and it's up on the monster of the week. YouTube. You can find that on our Twitter feed. Yeah. So thank you, Caitlin, for that idea. Thank you. Funny. Uh, thank you. The salt report podcast for making all of that happen, especially Jake. Who's, you know, awesome on the beats. And then, uh, also somebody that we, we left out, uh, Tamo, who, Tamo, give us a, give us a shout sometime if you hear this. Uh, thank you very much for donating. Oh yeah, thank you, Chris, Jeremy. We're we've got to do it. Like we've been kind of laughing and joking for the last thirty minutes. We we have to get into these two episodes and we have to get emotional about it. Uh, yep, nothing's fine. I'm and I'm torn. So. <laughs> just, what's what's your faith level out? At? Um, <laughs> I don't want to sound too dramatic here, but I'm all out of faith. You know. Mm. Mm, that's that's too bad because yeah. I'm still gonna need that road so far. Well, this is this is how I feel. I'm cold and I am ready to read <laughs> the road so far. So okay, uh, last time on Monster of the Week. Uh, up until now, the boys have been swinging wildly through the apocalypse, but now they finally have the help of Gabriel, the Archangel, and the Demon Crowley, uh, and have something to hold on to. I did write this down, but I read it out of order just now. So I'm very. You confused. wrote all of this down. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they know what they need to do. They need to collect all four horseman rings, complete all the side quests, to, and then they can finally unlock the final boss of Supernatural, Lucifer. When I wrote when I wrote the road so far, I left out a bunch of words in my sentences. I've just been so torn since watching the season finale that I don't really know what I'm doing anymore. Uh, that's the problem with being all out of faith, Chris. Yeah. So, um, should we get into this episode? Let's. The first episode we're going to cover today is Two Minutes to Midnight, written by Sarah Gamble, directed by Phil Segrecia. and air date was April 6th, 2010. This was my the day after my sixth wedding anniversary. Well, well, so, well. Just so you want to, in case anybody out there wants to buy a gift, come May. Um, I, I accept most major credit cards, just not mm-hmm. Amex. Their, their service fees are really high on those Amexes. Sure. Um, but anyway... Uh, Crowley tells Bobby he will give him the location of death, the fourth horseman, in exchange for his soul. Knowing Sam and Dean need that fourth ring. <laughs> That's a weird way to say that. Yeah. Need that well, fourth ring to stop the apocalypse. Bobby reluctantly agrees. Sam and Dean confront Pestilus, but he unleashes a deadly virus upon them, so Castiel must intervene on their behalf. Dean has a meeting with death to discuss Lucifer, and an unholy alliance is formed at a very high price for Dean. Uh, okay, I guess we could just move on to the next episode. So then. you just, yeah, you want to just skip because, wow. That um, covered it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, our, our our previously on, our then segment, is basically the fact that they have no idea where Adam is. Um, listeners, if you've already forgotten, Adam is Adam Mulligan, a.k.a. Adam 
maybe a Winchester. Um, Adam, please take me out to a ball game, Winchester. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the half Winchester brother uh, that has some really good lines at the at the end of this episode that uh, I'm going to try to use to pull the the sadness out of this a little bit. So it's just not all feels all the time. Kaz has disappeared. Uh, all of the rings from the horsemen that they've got are the keys to Lucifer's cage. There's a Croatoan virus that's about to go loose and it's going to be cured or excuse me, it's going to be spread by having a swine flu vaccine spread out throughout the nation because it's 2010 and everybody is scared to death of the swine flu. So yeah, that catches uh, us up. I think. Yeah, definitely. The cold open on this one is weird because they just show it again later. And I don't know, really know why they did it, but it's pestilence treating his patient, quote unquote, treating her. Uh, and just kind of filling her with different disease using, using her as a, as a Petri dish. I think he calls her a Petri dish. He does. Mixing up these different diseases to see what the effect will be. And sure enough, it's death. Um, so we're hit with that. We're hit with some gross green vomit before it smashes to that supernatural screen. I do and then it like, gets into the real action. I do like that they – because the last time we saw Pestilence at the end of the last episode, he was super gross. Like he was just mm-hmm. slimy and wet. When we see him here, he's like in a proper – like he's not in a doctor outfit, but he's like in a, like a – um, casual Friday doctor outfit, like he's yeah, got, yeah. Like he's, a little he's no doctor sexy, but he's no, no, fine. no, no. Um, and but he's like he's not you know spewing fluids everywhere. And then of course, like t- ten seconds after, I'm like, oh thank God, they're not going to do anything gross. She just like projectile vomits the exorcisms goo all over his face, and it's really super sick. And then for some yeah. reason, and this is the reason they show it again later, we go to one day earlier, and I don't know why the writers felt the need to like make this weird time loop because. Well, all that's going to happen is later on in the episode, Sam and Dean are going to catch up to Pestilence while yeah. he's doing this. And I don't yeah. understand why that's important at all. <laughs> it just seems like this this wasn't planned. They're like, we need a cold open. You guys didn't write one? <laughs> it's, you know what? You're absolutely right. Even as I was watching this episode, Autumn looked up and she's like, didn't we just see this? <laughs> I was yeah. like, yeah, I know. It's weird. Um, now cut back to the, the boys and Dean is pissed about Sam's plan that he talked to Bobby about last time, which was – Hey, what if I take on Lucifer and I jump into the cage? Uh, if I say yes to Lucifer and and kind of kamikaze into hell, uh, and and now Dean knows about it and he's super super pissed about it, which is pretty reasonable. Um, but this is kind of the opposite of what we've seen in the past, where Sam has a plan and he's going to do it no matter what anybody says, uh, no matter the destruction he's going to cause. This time he says, "Okay, well that's the general consensus. You don't want me to do it. Bobby doesn't want me to do it. I'm not going to do it." Which is an interesting proposition for Sam, and I, I really respect Sam a lot for coming to this conclusion and saying, like, hey, I, I think this is a good idea, but I also think that you guys should probably agree with me that, that it's a good mm-hmm. idea. And it's, it, shows a, it shows a maturity that I think um, Sam has had in the past, uh, but it's also – I think it's a maturity that he's willing to trust these guys to make that decision for mm-hmm. him and, and to a degree. And it's going to play out over the next two episodes in a really satisfying way. Yeah. He, he's had to come a long way since – last season, but really since the beginning, you know, there's always the same who wants to do the right thing, but he doesn't listen to anybody else. He thinks he's the only one who knows how to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And we're finally getting to see some growth and some, some real actual development for him. And then, um, <clears throat> our good friend Castiel calls. Oh yeah. Castiel, that old guy, <laughs> that old, that old son of a bitch. Uh, he got apparently sent to down to off the coast of Louisiana, um, which, because he, after he got blasted or after he blasted himself to get rid of the angels, he woke up on a fishing boat outside of Delacroix, Louisiana, um, which is apparently like a kind of a complicated reference to a Bob Dylan song. I don't know if you. Interesting. Yeah. Um, 
does not matter at all because he got scooped up. He scared the hell out of these poor fishermen. They put him in a hospital, and now he's calling Dean up to ask for money. (laughs) 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 And also to pass along the news that um, he is cut off from his angelic power. He's basically human now, um, which is is really good. This – just proving that Castiel is probably one of, if not my favorite character out of these three, out of the three mm-hmm. leads. Um, it, just every single scene with him, it's just so good. Like this awkward, um, I'm going to need money for a plane ride. I think that's what you call it. Like just that kind yeah. of like a, a stranger in a strange land stuff really works for me. Which is he's been doing it the entire time, but has never had to like deal with it like castiel has been the stranger in a strange land since we first met him but he's always had the angelic power that it does he doesn't have to drive anywhere he doesn't have to use the cell phone he just does i guess uh he doesn't have to do all of these things but suddenly he's like uh wait a second (laughs) i i have no idea what to do in a way we've been we've been seeing castiel being trained to be human for the last two and a half seasons right like even that first confrontation where he met lucifer and um, Lucifer said, I, I, I've heard you came here in a car. How was that? And Gastiel was like, <laughs> slow. <laughs> like, it's just one of those things. Like he's slowly been adopting like to his earth persona. And, uh, you know, in the end world version, like from that episode, the end, we see him just completely be, you know, a human skis ball basically. So one could argue that he's going down that path now. Um, yeah. he does also apologizes to Dean for, because the last time he saw Dean, he called him a, um, kind of a shitbag and beat him up because mm-hmm. he was dean was considering saying yes to michael and now he says that uh you weren't the burnt and broken shell of a man that i thought you were <laughs> dean's yeah. like thanks i guess oh, thanks. thanks so much <laughs> oh kaz i love you so much so they kind of uh you know gather the troops together and go sneak off to the hospital where pestilence is hanging out at yep and I guess to just they infiltrate in the, in the usual Winchester way, which is one brother you know hangs back while the other brother Dean he goes in talks to the security guard and he's like hey have you seen my nana here uh, she's around somewhere he starts describing any old woman and then just clocks yeah. this dude in the face <laughs> it's the most useless like I'm like why didn't he just walk in and hit him <laughs> like it's well, just the, the most thing is, <laughs> is when Sam is like what dude he's just like <laughs> it's called improv Sam you never know what's gonna come out of your mouth uh, you know how much I love citing our our friend the supernatural wikipedia and their mm-hmm, trivia mm-hmm. sections um did you do you recall the name that he that dean gave to his nana it's something weird but no eunice kennedy uh the, the wiki helpfully tells us that this is a nod to eunice kennedy shriver a philanthropist and sister to president and senators kennedy so ah excellent. thanks wiki for that obvious reference to <laughs> eunice kennedy <laughs> uh the wikipedia never stop um but they they've broken into this the station because this is the um Dean outside saw a uh uh camera like a like a security camera and this is the station for that so they can kind of hang out in here and watch the whole hospital and try to figure out where pestilence is um eventually they do see something pretty freaky on one of these security cameras and it's this man walking down with with basically like a glowing static spot over where his face should be as he walks behind the cameras and it's kind of an interesting effect i always like when they do little tricks like that to to spot shapeshifters or whatever it is uh in this case they see pestilence they see where he's going uh, and they decide to pursue him they think that they can take him on but they're spotted by a uh, little demon nurse yeah, and she runs into Pestilence and tells Pestilence, hey, the Winchesters are here. We should jet. And he's like, excuse yeah. me? 
I love his reaction. Is like, fuck that. No, we're not doing that after what he did to my brothers. And she's like, yeah, that's why we should jet. He's doing, they're doing really well against horsemen right now. I, I like that whenever anybody, like the bad guys give Sam and Dean credit. They're like, yeah. hey, uh, these boys are like kind of a big deal. Like this demon is afraid of them. And that's cool. I feel good about that. Um, but I love what Pestilence does here. This, this actor, he just, Matt sh- yeah, he just freaks out. Dude freaks out. He, he's kind of been playing the part of the kindly older doctor this whole time or for this whole episode, even when he's doing horrible things, he has the demeanor of a kindly old man and he just absolutely loses his shit. Uh, and he says, cause he wants to take a piece out of the, the boy's ass. And he says, if Satan wants them so bad, then he can glue them back together after he rips them apart, of course. Uh, but hit the man, the, the way the man just screams and like loses his, his temper. It's something that I didn't expect from this character, but it was, uh, it was off putting. It was unsettling and it was, it was fun. Matt Furrier, man, he's amazing. Uh, this is, I don't think we mentioned it, but now we've caught up to our intro. So this is yes. how useless, like, our one yeah. day earlier lasted for about 10 minutes, everybody. <laughs> strange. Uh, but then he casts uh, some disease spells, right? <laughs> yeah, he, like, invites the demon in, the demon nurse in for a hug for some reason. And then, like, behind her does the ring-twisting thing where, like, you know, we've seen, we saw Ward do this. I don't, did we see, um... Famine? I don't know. Who knows? I don't, th- I don't, I don't think we saw famine. famine do this. Yeah, but the ring twisting thing, I remember calling out when War did it because it looks so hokey, and it looks pretty hokey here, too. But as soon as he does that, everybody starts dying and, like, falling over, puking everywhere, and it's super gross, and I hate it. Poor yeah, Autumn Sam looked at me and was like, do I have to watch this? Yeah. <laughs> Sam and Dean start falling over, too. Sam tries to uh, get a march into the room, but he collapses before he can mm-hmm, do anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get, like, a, like a full-on... Um, basically villain monologue he gives he tells that sam and dean that he gives them scarlet fever something that i missed i couldn't quite hear it in the audio mix and syphilis so yeah good he yeah he just really goes all out on him and he's he says he's he's proving god wrong or, or showing god that he's wrong one epidemic at a time by showing him that you know look at these creatures that you've made look how sickly uh and, and disgusting they are they're they're riddled with these diseases they create these diseases they carry them he's trying to prove god wrong one epidemic at a time, as he says. Uh, but this is one of my favorite parts of the episode is where Cass shows up. How'd you get here, Cass? <laughs> I took a bus. <laughs> <laughs> How great is that line? Yeah, that's um, perfect. But then he gets sick, too, because he's human now. He's human now. Yeah, he doesn't have he's, – he's cut off from the homeland. Um, but then he is still able to keep enough of himself together to get the drop on Pestilence, and he cuts his finger off. Uh, so they, you know, Cass shows and up to save the, the demon and, and stabs, stabs the, the demon. De- yeah. He, he takes care of business. Castiel, <laughs> who's sick and dying now, still takes care of business in his new human body. Um, but it's pestilence has a warning. He says it's already too late. It doesn't matter what you, what you do here. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's already in motion. And, uh, the boys are certainly uh, not happy to hear that because they don't know exactly what he means, but we're, I guess we're going to find out. Yeah, so they, they go back to Bobby's and, and discuss this, and um, Bobby says, do you want to hear some good news? And he says that uh, Chicago is about to hit by a superstorm. It's going to like kill three million people. There's going to be outages and crazy weather and drownings and all of this other stuff. And like deadpan, Kaz looks over and says, like, I don't understand your definition of good news, which is, <laughs> <laughs> which is really good. Um, 
but Dean has Dean and Sam are, are like, how did how did you put all this together? This seems really weird. And of course, Bobby kind of shyly says, "Well, I, I had a little help." And well, gee, I just you know I had a little, a little help. I had a little help, and that cue Crowley to teleport into the into Bobby's kitchen. Something that I don't mm-hmm. understand why every angel and demon do constantly, but whatever. Yeah, it's um, huh. uh. But Crowley is there, and um, the first thing he does is kind of casually insult Bobby's whiskey because he just like <laughs> takes a sniff of it and puts it down. He's like, Ugh, no, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if like that kind of stuff is actually written, or if it was just kind of an yeah. on the spot thing. Because uh, it's it, hard it to tell if Mark Shepard is just that just good that good. Or, yeah, yeah. I, I would believe it, but um, he basically they, they spill the beans here. Bobby traded his soul for this information. Uh, however, you know, as we know, the clause of well, I'll give it back. Crowley keeps saying he'll give Bobby's soul back, but he's going to hang on to it for now. It's sort of um, insurance because he knows that the boys, especially Sam, he really does not like Sam. He does not like Sam. <laughs> he knows that they want to kill him. <laughs> so if he hangs on to Bobby's soul, then he'll be okay. Uh, there, there is one great moment that is uh, we, we we can't stop. We can't not talk about oh it because uh, <laughs> in the middle of this going back and forth and, and you have to listeners, you have to imagine the scene where they're kind of Dean and Sam are yelling. Crowley is casually explaining thing. Bobby is looking very embarrassed about the whole situation. And Sam <clears throat> kind of in a, in a smaller voice kind of looks over at Bobby and is like, did you kiss him? Because as, <laughs> as we all know. You you seal these demon deals with a kiss, and he's and Bobby looks stunned, and he kind of gets like offended. And he does that like old man. Oh, of course not. And then you hear just a, like a <clears throat> and Crowley is holding his cell phone out with a picture of him just like man, like throat deep on Bobby. <laughs> Looking Bobby at the says, camera. Bobby says, "Why'd you take a picture?" And Crowley says, "Why'd you use tongue?" <laughs> I love it's just. I like this. Go ahead. It's funny that this that's something that, that Dean would ask, did you kiss him? But it's Sam, which yeah. is the weirdest thing. <laughs> but it seems like that's like what the bratty little brother would do. That's what the youngest out of the group would be like, wait a second, did you kiss <laughs> did him? Did you kiss him? Uh, it, it, that's, it's, it's really good. Like I, th- This whole scene is great. And it's not like portrayed – like it's it's a gay joke, but it's not portrayed as homophobic at all. Like it's just it's just a thing that happened and I, I, I kind of dig it. Yeah, they're just, they're just goofing on Bobby a little bit. Um, so <laughs> outside at the, we, we go to a commercial basically and come back and like, uh, Dean is hanging out by the Impala. Sam walks over and kind of like smoking a cigarette, but like not on the CW does a, does a, does a big sigh and like lays or like leans up against the car and Dean looks over and is like, I guess we're about to talk about our feelings. <laughs> and <I> just, <laughs> he's just seen this so many times now. It's so great. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I love this. Um, <clears throat> But Sam, you know, is, is basically pitching this to Dean mm-hmm. and saying like, hey, you've probably got all these lines written down, right? Like, I don't I don't have to say this. No, I don't. I don't. I only have one of them. He he basically Sam starts pitching his, his plan again. But he says, I'm the least of any of you. He's he's now putting Castiel and, and Bobby and most specifically Dean above himself in this plan and everything that they're doing and they're doing. Excuse me. With everything that they're doing here, with Sam's plan, he realizes he is the one who has failed time and time again. He is the one who has this this great weakness inside of him, the, the darkness that keeps coming back up, you know, the dark side. Um, he says, I'm the least of any of you, but I'm also all we've got. Their only chance to ensnare Lucifer is Sam. Dean can't say yes to him. Bobby can't say yes to him. It has to be Sam. This is the only plan that they've got right now. And until somebody 
comes up with something better, they've got to go with this plan. So yeah, in the middle of this conversation, Crowley shows up and basically likes is basically says, "Hey, hey you guys, like we know what's going on. Like you, if you haven't figured this out yet, you're kind of dumb." And uh, explains the whole pestilence, uh, swine flu vaccine equals Crowtoan plot, um, which creates kind of a um, a divergence of goals. So now that they they kind of have figured out that they're um, am I getting ahead of myself here or because no, the, the, no, no, the no, episode no. splits here. I'm not quite sure. I should, probably should have asked you this before we, we started recording. How we want to cover it? Like, do you want to? I keep took notes back? just as it was going, so it might be too. the easiest yeah. way to go with it. Okay. Um, basically, that that pharmaceutical company that we we saw some of Nibius. last episode, where uh, Brady, Brady Sam's old college buddy, who was actually mm-hmm. a demon, he was running it. But basically, they have created a Croatoan virus disguised as the swine flu uh, cure, and now pestilence has spread swine flu so they're going to distribute the croatoan virus to all these people who are going to inject it and suddenly be have a demon virus in them and there are the the, the idea is that there's a distribution center so they can mm-hmm. if they get to this distribution center before this vaccine goes out they can stop it and prevent this virus from getting out everywhere uh, but somebody still has to go for death <laughs> right mm-hmm. somebody um, still has to go for death somebody has to go for death um wait we said something wrong earlier. Bobby sold his soul to find death, not pestilence. Okay, yeah, that's right. Because they found pestilence in the last episode. Yeah, so we we made a mistake. Yeah, I just and didn't want the internet nerds out there correcting us. So, well, before anybody gets to this point in the podcast, so we'll have already been tweeting. Well, just let you guys know. <laughs> How long exactly does it take to make a 140-character shitty tweet at somebody? <laughs> So, okay, yeah, they were trying to find the location on death, of course. Yeah. So they've, they've got that. That means that they have to split up into two teams. One team is going to go and uh, deal with this distribution of the Croatoan virus, try to stop it before it gets out and, and ruins the world. And the other, namely Dean, is going to have to go and uh, parlay with death, like the horseman death. And this is when they drop the just Be- the, the, best, the best supernatural scene of all time right here. Won't you spare me over another? But what is this that I can't see with ice cold hands taking hold of me? When God is gone and the devil takes hold. death scene this is how they advertised this episode just the the song playing and this man in a long black coat this older kind of refined looking man just walking down the street with these interesting uh jump cuts like as he takes steps in the slow-mo and just really really building up this feeling that they they don't usually take the time to do this sort of thing with villains with heroes with anybody in supernatural this is a special case it's just a full 30 seconds of a guy walking in slow-mo to his own goddamn theme music um and somebody bumps into him death brushes some dirt off of his shoulder and that man just drops dead uh it's an incredibly effective scene and it's one of the best in supernatural period um i just want to talk about this song for a little bit because um 
this is a really impactful scene. Uh, the, the song is really, really great. Um, in 2010, like this shit was felt like cutting edge music. It doesn't sound quite like that nowadays when you listen to it. Um, and listeners have probably already heard it because I definitely dropped that motherfucker up in this podcast. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, but this put me on a hunt for because when I googled it when I in 2010, I was like, man, I gotta I gotta see this shit again. Like I watched the scene over again, which is something I didn't mm-hmm. really do. Like as soon as we finished the episode, I was like, I gotta rewind that shit. Um. I Googled it and I couldn't really find that copy, but I found like a ton of other copies and it's yeah. like a song from the 1920s that basically like a lot of people had covered. Um, it's a, yeah, it's one of those old traditional folk songs basically. Mm-hmm. And if you go, there's a Wikipedia page that has a bunch of different versions on it. Um, that it's actually kind of fun to listen to and to Google through because they're so fucking crazy and different from one mm-hmm. another. Um, my favorite one is like, you can get that, not that old doc Boggs version. Um, and it's really good. The recording quality is about as you would expect from somebody recording a podcast in Chris's apartment in 1920. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, believe it or not, there's a country singer named, uh, Randy Travis. And I don't know what it is about Randy Travis. It should be really, really bad. But for some reason that, that version of that song just really works for me. And I don't know why. <laughs> so sometimes country music just gets it right. I gotta say for my, my taste, it's not often, but every once in a while they do it. Uh, They've gone on to use this in some other pop culture. The thing that comes to mind right now is uh, Until Dawn, the video game. They use it as yep. the the main theme to that. And it's really effective and, and it's cool. And I like that version. But at the same time, I was like, Supernatural did it better. Mm-mm. Yep. I did the uh, exact same thing. We, I don't even think we were talking back then. But yes, X absolutely did the same thing. <laughs> there's just like, there's certain things. The same thing happened in, uh, this was, they used a, a New Order song in Metal Gear Solid Five, And then they used yep. it in um, Stranger Things. I was like, Mm-mm. Metal Gear did it better. Mm-mm. <laughs> We are the arbiter of what is cool in, in when you use your music, <laughs> and we will tell you on our podcast at monsteroftheweek.cool. Please like and subscribe. Uh, please laugh. Please laugh. Uh, yeah, this I, we, we talked about his car, his his giant white like ancient sixties car, or whatever. His pale horse. His pale horse. Um, and as he goes to wherever he's going, we we cut back and. Um, it's a scene between Kaz and Bobby, and I'm, I'm, I like this a lot because I mentioned this in the last episode of the podcast, but leading up to the finale, we're getting a lot of scenes between uh, side characters that mm-hmm. don't involve Sam and Dean at all, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, Sam and Dean for me will always be to the heart of this show, but this is the kind of stuff that really makes episodes better. Uh, when when it's characters that we've earned, you know, or the show has earned what, like we've kind of complained before about the episode with the, the witch couple, um, kind of having their own personal drama. And it's not that it was bad, but like they're in one episode and I don't want 20 minutes of that episode dedicated to them. <laughs> I didn't want five minutes of that episode. dedicated right. to them. <laughs> but taking, taking the time out of an episode to, to really dig into some characters that we now have established that we love as the audience, um, is much appreciated and, and kind of a breath of fresh air with all the brother drama that's always been happening. Even though the, you know, the brothers are on each other's uh, side now, but we still need a break from them every once in a while. Yeah. And this is a, a really good scene because Kaz is newly human and he's, you know, loading the van. Yeah. He's got the, he's got to make sure the bass guitar and the, and all of the <laughs> amplifiers are stacked correctly. Um, he's like, Dean, do you have two, Bass guitar? Are there two basses? Are there in this two band? bass guitars in this band? This is fucking crazy. Uh, he he looks down at like a sawed off shotgun and is like, "What do you even do with these?" And Bobby's like, "You just point and shoot. It's real fucking easy, dog. Just just do the thing." <laughs> um, but he complains because he used to be powerful, and look where he is now. 
And Bobby just looks at him as Bobby's sitting there in a wheelchair and going, you're really going to complain to me? Yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? And uh, yeah, that, that, I just, I like this scene a lot. It's very small and it, but it accomplishes a lot with those two characters, I think. I know that Sam and Dean are the most important soldiers in this battle, but the everybody else is still in the battle. You know, their their roles are still important. And I like that we even get just a couple little scenes with them. Um, Bobby and Castiel matter, and they've become a really big parts of the, the, the show's family, especially in season five. And the big denouement is obviously Sam and Dean, but, like, I want Bobby and Cass there. Absolutely. Um. So they depart to go on their separate missions. Uh, they're kind of all saying like casual goodbyes because who knows who's going to survive this, right? Sam says, you "Remember what we used to hunt, just hunt Wendigos." Wendigos, when excuse me, Sam. Wendigos, yeah. and Dean is like, mm, "Not really. <laughs> that was a lifetime ago at this point." <laughs> also, Sam, uh, maybe you can introduce me to your new friend, Castel, <laughs> or whatever the shit that you used. Castiel. To why does why, does why does Sam pronounce things so weird? Because he's so big, it's hard for him to hear anybody down there. Moose language must be much different than human language, mm-hmm. is what I'm hearing. So uh, Crowley shows up one last time right before they're all about to hit the road. And he gives Dean Death's scythe, sickle, whatever, his, his reaper. Um, yeah, this is real weird. Like, And it's it's one of these like things that Supernatural does where they introduce a thing and then immediately it just disappears for the rest of the rest of time. And I'm just like... Okay. <laughs> this thing sure. is just here so that Bobby can get his uh, prize. Yes. Well, and so that Sam can keep the knife because they're going to need to be armed over there. Um, yeah. That's, so yeah. He gives. Uh, yeah. He gives Dean death scythe. It's supposed to be the only thing that can kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Crowley says that is this the last time that we see Crowley, or do we see him later in this episode? I w- no, we're still going to see him because there's this whole like weird bit with Crowley that I want to talk to you about here in a second. Okay. So. so Crowley, he. Yeah, um, he says he added a clause to Bobby's deal. He says it's all about phrasing. You can you can kind of wheedle a little bit more out of this. Um, and he tells him, he's like, all right, well, come on, get to it. Don't just sit there. And um, Bobby stands up and sure enough, he's, got well, he's standing up. <laughs> yeah, Bobby's got his groove back. And he says, thanks. And there's a look of real happiness on this man's face. That's really touching. It really is. Like he, you know, uh, this dude sells this so well. Jim Beaver sells this so well of looking like a dude that has not been able to walk in a very long time. And, and remember back in, we keep going back to this witch episode for some reason. I don't know why we talk about it all the time, but (laughs) (laughs) in that episode, he, he expressed his, his, uh, kind of sense of worthlessness because he didn't have his legs and he wasn't able to participate fully in this war. And here's that moment. Here's, you know, a, a person that he did a person, a demon that he didn't trust or, and that he trusted enough to be able to get the job done. So he could feel worthwhile giving him this gift of making him even more useful in this fight. And, um, there's something weird. And Dean calls it out at some point, maybe it's in the finale, uh, that he's not used to seeing Bobby at, at um, I think he says eye height or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it's weird throughout the rest of the episode too, seeing Bobby walk around. Like I don't, <laughs> it's very strange, but uh, yeah, Bobby's got his legs back, man, which is really great. Yeah. He's, um, I don't know if it's part of Crowley's plan to give him some additional uh, help out there, but it really just feels like, Hey, this is on good faith. Mm-hmm. So do your jobs, everybody. Great. See you later. I will say, and up until the end of the finale, uh, Crowley seems like he's on the up and up throughout the season. Like, mm-hmm. we're he's definitely a villainous character. Uh, he's he's definitely going to have his his moments to shine. I think he has been kind of 
you know, he's he's definitely doing it for himself. He's not doing it for Sam and Dean. But I think his original motivation uh, when we were introduced to his character of, yeah, I just want things to be the way they are. Like, I'm a salesman. I want to sell. I want to take souls. And that's what I do. <laughs> like, I just want to make myself right. more powerful. And by doing this heinous shit, like, I, the apocalypse does not serve that for me. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's, that's good. Um, so they split. Uh, Crowley, Dean go off in one direction. Sam, Bobby, and Kaz are jumping the Apollo and drive to this distribution center. On the way, Kaz just breaks all sorts of bad news. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I like this scene because Kaz is such a fucking uh, joy kill right here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He says that uh, number one, Michael's Michael has definitely chosen his new vessel and Adam, uh, which they pretty much assumed, but Sam still looks kind of shocked at. Uh, but like, I kind of just figured like Sam would figure that out on his own. <laughs> that seems kind of weird. Did you get a yeah. weird impression at this, or is that just me? Yeah, it's just... I, I feel like they could have assumed that. Maybe Dean assumes it later. I feel like somebody was on the up and up with this. But uh, Cassiel also says that he thinks Sam's plan is a good idea. Which... Sure. I don't, but okay. Um, he, But he does tell Sam that he is going to have to drink tons of demon blood in order to contain Lucifer. Which obviously he's going to be a little bit prickly about because, you know, he has a bit of an issue. He's, he's but got I a did know history. something here is that in season four, he's drinking demon blood alone or with Ruby, but, and he's ruining everything. And then he, he comes back. He basically learns with his mistake, learns from his mistakes, learns to communicate with his brother and his friends. And then after all of that, realizing that he's going to have to, do it all over again, drink the demon blood again, go through this, this thing that caused so much destruction again. This has always been Sam's, as he says it, this is his curse. This thing that he he can't ever rip it out or hashtag scrub it clean. Mm -hmm, This has always mm -hmm. been his, his curse, his destiny. He's, he's going to go dark side. This has always been Sam's path. Um, but this time he doesn't have to walk that path alone. And I think that that is the biggest thing. The biggest takeaway for, for me with, with Sam this season is that um, he, he is the vessel. He is this, this freak, this abomination. He's always been that way. He was literally cursed with demon blood when he was a baby. That was out of his control. His life has always been a little bit out of his control, but it comes down to whether he's going to be stubborn and try to do all this shit on his own and, and fall into the dark side. Or is he going to stick by his family and do it right or do it as, as best as they can? And this is a – it's the same set of actions. It's the drinking demon blood to get more powerful to beat the thing. The exact same set of actions that he did in season four except this time he has uh, Dean and Bobby and Castiel with him. He has his friends. He has his brother. And that's all the difference for Sam. Sam who is supposed to you know, be the psychic king, be the chosen of Azazel, all the shit. None of that matters. As long as he has the crew. And he's going to prove that because when they get to the distribution center, they, they see one truck about to leave. They have no time for careful preparations. So they, they just go in like guns blazing, basically. Yeah. Uh, and demons instantly spot them, convert some human, like infect some humans with the croatonin virus. Uh, but Sam goes in and very quickly takes control over the situation. You would really expect for Bobby to be the one to... Um, like be the, 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 the leader, right? Like you would yeah. expect him to be the commander in the field. Like, cause that's the position Dean usually takes when Dean and Sam do this stuff, but really it's Sam. <clears throat> and there's a scene where uh, a bunch of these croton infected humans are rushing 
Bobby and Sam and Bobby looks scared, but Sam just looks fucking like cold hearted, cold blooded. And he just starts, he's holding his gun in a stupid sideways position, which I hate, but whatever I'll I'll deal. Um, (laughs) And he's just like coldly just popping off headshots left and right. And Bobby quickly catches up, right? He quickly like starts shooting them too, but, and they, and they, they kill all of these people very quickly. It's kind of terrifying. Uh, But then Sam like listens and he's like, Oh, Hey, there's people over there. I got to go save them. It tosses Bobby the knife and he uses Hunter vision. He uses it. He holds L2 for Hunter vision. And then he goes and saves like fucking 10, 12 people like constantly. Like it's crazy how many people he saves. I know that we throw this word around a lot, but he's acting like a hunk right now. He's acting like a goddamn hunk, Chris. He's hunking it up all over the place. And like Bobby even tries to, is is trying like, no, no, we should, we should go like, you know, bomb this place or whatever they're planning on doing uh and sam's like no 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 no. we're gonna go save all these people first and does it and that's it's such a great moment for sam to me like to basically win in this situation and uh i'm skipping over some some dean and death stuff because i'm i'm so into talking about sam right now which is something that never happens to me so uh <laughs> <laughs> a dean for life uh but when they he does finally like save this this girl um and then gets him out He's attacked by uh, either a demon or a Croatoan person. I think it's just a Croatoan infected person. And uh, Bobby's out of ammunition. And who shows up to save him but Castiel, which is such a great moment. He, Castiel, yeah, Castiel just blasts the shit the out of him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, uh, these actually work. Like, yeah, thanks, Kaz. Where the fuck have you been, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> farting around outside trying to load the gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a really great scene. Like these three guys going in and unfortunately killing some, some, you know, innocent Croatoan infected people, but kind of having to do that at the same time. Yeah. And then, I'm not sure there's any real cure for Croatoan, right? No, they haven't, they haven't established one. Um, cause I think that in back in season, what two, when the virus first breaks out, mm-hmm. Sam is the only one who isn't affected by it because he already has the curse, the, the demon, demon blood, blood that. Yeah. yeah, but he can't just scrub it down and grab his clean. Um, right. right, right, right. Uh, what do they do here? Because after this scene, Bobby says, uh, can we hurry up and, and get on with their act of domestic terrorism? Implying to me that he was going to like blow this place up, but they don't yeah, show any of that. They don't. Cause it's not in the budget, Jeremy. Uh, either they're going to, I guess maybe, I don't know, burn the place down or yet blow it up somehow. I'm sure that Bobby can build some sort of, I mean, no, Sam learned how to build all this stuff. It's Smamford. Smamford so, you. Um, um, by the they way, just take it, take it down real quick. <laughs> Since you since you brought up Smanford to you, can I kind of take a, a brief digression? And mm-hmm. depending on the flow of the episode, I may pull this out to the outtakes. I don't know. Um, last night, as we were watching Supernatural, being Autumn, Autumn uh, on the preview they showed Brady, of course, and she said that was the dude that was Sam's friend. He was really a demon when when he was at in college, right? And I was like, yeah. He, she goes, so is the college run by demons? Like a man for you, like run by demons, and they were just making John Winchester think that he was running a fake college. Like, is it a double fake college? Which huge, if true, as huge if true, huge if true. But otherwise, like, are demons sneaking into Stanford University? And if demons are sneaking into Stanford U, man, that sounds like a fucking great, fuck, you know, CW primetime show. If I've ever heard of one, it's John set, set in high this, school. This, yeah, John set this very loose. Uh, institution up with other hunters, other professors who were kind of on the up and up. They set up this this big faith college. I imagine that it still takes place at a real college. That's it gives it gives the illusion of college life. But he's like, oh, I have um, uh, I have weird electronics class in room six 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 over there, and he just goes down <laughs> to a basement and he builds weapons. <laughs> Man, okay, so uh, in. The telecommunications class, we had um, cell phone technology, we had the old POTS technology, 
and blood goblet technology. Blood goblet. Huh. I just feel it's like weird. I don't remember that from history class, but I guess <laughs> it's like, seems weird. And that's uh, where the that's where the demons infiltrated because it's this weak infrastructure that that John Winchester set up. You know, yeah, because John has basically done nothing like. He's never actually succeeded at anything in his life, really. Right? It's like he's never done anything great for his kids. So no, he bought he's a just car. He bought a cool this. car. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, they they presumably blew this place up. Uh, but we go back to Chicago. There's this this these next couple of scenes really confuse me, Chris. They uh, they show up at this building that Crowley says is is where death is, and he says this because there's a bunch of reapers that. Dean can't see, but they're just everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this in previous. It's always a really cool image when, you know, the camera shifts or whatever, and we see a bunch of reapers that Dean can't see. I love, I love, I love that, that visual mm-hmm. effect, right? Yeah. And it's but then, the, uh, the horseman's stable is what Crowley <laughs> Yeah, which is a weird line. Um, but on the way over there, he was, like, asking to stop by for pizza. And then when they get here, he disappears and then comes immediately back and says, oh, I was wrong. Death's not here, and I gotta go. See you later. We'll try this next time. Yeah, I don't really, I don't know. I don't know. And, and then as they get back in the car, they see a pizza place, and Crowley makes Dean pull over, and then like starts like going to the pizza place, and no really debts in here, and then he just disappears. Like, it's a really odd scene, right? Like, it's an odd coupling of scenes that I, I don't understand why Crowley's acting so weird. The only thing I can think is, like, I thought it was funny when Crowley was, like, zapping back and forth trying to talk to Dean. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. Like, did they, this just make it into the script like this because it, somebody thought it was funny? Because <laughs> I, I mean, I thought that was funny, but it's got an element of slapstick to it. Like I'm with you, I um, but man, like it just seems weird. Like it just seems odd. Like is he just that terrified of death? Well, because he kept saying we have to s- stop for pizza, and Dean's like, yeah. no, we have to go find death, and then they don't find death, and then he's like, let's go stop for pizza, and then it happens that death is at the pizza. But I don't know. I don't know. It really it doesn't know. matter though. Because death is in this pizza place. Dean walks in. Everybody in the place is dead. Mm-hmm. Just laying on the ground dead. Um, this dude must just like really hate going to restaurants because it's got to be yeah. just a terrible cleanup operation. Like you finally found that, that one true great pizza that you like and then you kill everybody that cooks it for you. Good job, death. Yeah. Good job. It's, it's good. Good. Uh, Dean tries to sneak up on him, but suddenly the, the scythe <laughs> just basically burns out of his hand. Mm-hmm. And uh, death is like, hey, hey, my dude. Uh, Please come and have a seat. You are very insignificant to me. Why on earth do you think you were just going to sneak up on death? Who do you think you are? Uh, he uh, he thanks Dean for returning the scythe to him. He mm-hmm. said, "I don't, you know, thank you for bringing this back to me. And this is this will be this will go away somewhere." <laughs> to a thing like me, a thing like you, it's kind of his whole. He says that, but it's also kind of mm-hmm. his whole philosophy. To a thing like me, what do you think you are? He talks about Dean's bravado and all this stuff, and he's like, "You are uh, a less than bacteria to me." I think he uses that kind of analogy. Like, how do you feel about? How, how would, would you, you feel, feel if little- a bac- if a bacteria sat across the table from you and asked and, and was and was and smirked or something or was smart with you or something to that extent? Yeah, yeah. It really sets up the uh, the dynamic here. Um, we got to talk about how Dean is throughout this entire scene petrified. Like, it's mm-hmm. very rare that we strip off his bravado um it's way more more way more common for him to strip off his shirt but his bravado yeah. he usually keeps pretty close yeah uh i invite he, you to contemplate how insignificant <laughs> i find you That's, yeah so dean's like okay sure all um, right i'm gonna chill <laughs> like why am i here then <laughs> what dean, are you doing or, death gives dean some pizza 
And then he says he is as old as God, probably older. And he kind of goes on about how him and God know each other. But in the end, he'll reap God too. That's that's the what Dean is staring staring down right now. Uh, mm-hmm. This is way above my pay grade. Is what Dean and, says in that. And Death says, "Yep, it's shown up. <laughs> it he, sure is." The best part of this entire scene, all of this cosmic shit happening right here, huge huge lore dump happening not dump mm-hmm. but, you know, it's a big it's a big moment best part of this is when dean is forced to take a bite out of the pizza and he starts chewing and he gives that kind of half like uh, like, like petrified dean still raises an eyebrow because he's like oh that's good pizza that's pretty uh, good pizza and, and that i just love it he can't even help himself he's like well i am going to shit my pants out of fear right now i'm talking to death but like i mean that's still good pizza <laughs> uh chris chicago or new york style pizza uh new york all the way. Sorry, uh, Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Fuck you, Chicago. That's what you know, I, I just to say about that. Just, it's, it's not. It's, it's not like wide. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. And it's not really widely available in Boston. So I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. it is, but not like in my town. So if I order pizza, just New York style pizza. Yeah. Um. Those giant ass slices. Give me that. Come on. Well, and it's like four inches thick. Like, and you, like even in the scene, they're eating it with forks and knives. Like that seems to be how it's eaten, and that's just not pizza to me. Like that's not how pizza works. Um, no, and I'm I not pizza like, tonight. <clears throat> I don't necessarily care that you eat p- your pizza with fork and knives. Like, I don't. I'm not going to be like that person or anything. But I mean, like, it's just it's just not pizza. Like, it's just a right. slab of it's a meat pie. Right. Anyway, I don't Come know on. why. I just, I don't know this. Anyway, so, so death death wants the leash off of his neck. He wants Lucifer yeah. off his back. He's more powerful than Lucifer, but he's bound to him. So he has to do what he says. He yeah, about this petty little spell, I think is what he says, uh, because mm-hmm. Lucifer cast this thing, and now he's yeah. been doing. I'm, all I'm more Lucifer. powerful. I'm more powerful than you can process, and I'm enslaved to a bratty child having a tantrum. <laughs> he's just so pissed. It's he hates great. this so much, and then he says, "Like, so oh hey, I uh, I heard you want my ring," and Dean's like, "Uh, yeah." <laughs> he's just so he's so petrified. It's so cute. And he just gives Dean the ring. He's, he wants his leash off. So here, take the ring. Go deal with Lucifer. And then I don't have to be at his beck and call anymore. And Dean says, what about Chicago? Because Chicago is about to be wiped off the map. And he says, I suppose it can stay. I like the pizza. Um, so now, yeah, he gives he gives Dean the ring. And he, he says, you can have this on the one condition that you will, will do whatever it takes. Um, your brother is the only one who can stop Lucifer. And so you have to let your brother jump into the fiery pit. Um, but he, he demands that Dean give him his word. And um, then it better be yes, Dean. You know you can't cheat death. He is death just is, really death, laid death down is so this ultimatum. Cool. <laughs> he is real cool. He's, He's real so cool. Um, he also uh, – I like the, the end of this too because after they have this, after – Dean gives his promise. He says, okay, you ready for the instruction manual? And it's just yeah. so nice for that the boys didn't have to figure this shit out on their own or like go to the local lore books at the local church or whatever there's, Sam there's always calls it. hardly any research in the second half of season five. No research at all, hardly. Like, it's been ridiculous. Really, really good. Um, I, I, again, I just love how freaked out Dean is about all of this. Um, we go back to, to Bobby's house. Uh, Dean is kind of just hanging out by the Impala, drinking a beer. Um, or actually, Bobby brings him a beer to drink. But he's kind of moodily looking at these four rings that he's collected. And he, he finds that if you put Death's ring close to the other three, they always zoom in on Death's ring and make like a like a weird shape <laughs> that's yeah. kind of ugly and bad. It's, but a, it's, it's a sweet magic cock ring. <laughs> 
Yep, it's a sweet magic cock ring. Oh, man. I just went out to, to buy some beans, and I came home with some magic cock rings. This is what it this is. <laughs> I mean, calm like I see them. Yep. You're, you're absolutely right. I um, just want you to know, I want the listener to know that, Jeremy, I lost your audio for a few minutes there, uh, mm-hmm. or a few seconds there. You, you popped back in talking about the rings, and that was just the first thing I said. <laughs> the magic cock ring. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad that's going to come across real well on, on the audio. I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, Dean tells Bobby that he, he has lied to death, that he promised death, that he would uh, allow Sam to sacrifice himself in order to save the world, and he's not about to do that. Um, and Bobby goes on this this... I'm not going to say rant, but he goes on this on this monologue about how Sam has an quote ass full of character defects, uh, but is at his core a extremely good people. And he describes the the stuff that he saw Sam do at the distribution yeah. center earlier, and he says that you know they've been raising that kid his entire life and not realizing that along the way he became a man, that he he yeah. became a hero, even with his problems. And God knows, like, uh-huh. Bobby and Bobby and Dean have problems, and they're still mm-hmm. hunks, just like Sam is. Also, Bobby, I just want to say, Bobby, he was like, I walked up and down stairs all night for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sore. I think that's what he said. Yeah, yeah. It's so great. But he, um, yeah, he says he, he watched Sam save, like, ten people, and he says, we're hard on him, Dean, but in the meantime, he's been running into burning buildings since he was 12. He's got a darkness in him, but he's got a hell of a lot of good in him, too. You know Sam, um, or excuse me, you know Sam will beat the devil or die trying. What are you afraid of, losing or losing your brother? And that's the end of the episode. End scene. <laughs> uh, I love this episode a whole lot. Not only does it have like that, that really great O-Death scene, um, mm-hmm. it has the really all of the really great death scenes. We get kind of a redemption on Sam's character throughout the distribution yeah. center attack, and I think that's really, really great. Crowley is in rare form. This weird thing they're doing with Kaz works for me a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's really strong. Like, and we're we, we've moved the plot along without introducing too many like weird gotchas, right? Like we we introduced one last episode, and that's fine. Uh, and but now we've got all of that stuff taken care of, and we're we're hurtling towards the end game. Yeah, they've been doing different things with the brothers this season, which is kind of interesting. They've been testing everybody, but they really this season they really stripped. Dean down. They kept. They just kept ripping at Dean, making things harder and harder and harder on him, and really challenging the core things that Dean believes in, which is family, taking care of his family, doing the right thing, doing his own thing, not letting um, angels or demons or whoever control his fate. Just, just kicking it in the ass, doing his thing. They've really challenged that in every single way. And Dean, after you know, he just had a conversation with Death on top of that's literally the, the cherry on top of everything else Dean has done. And he's able to put his faith in his in his brother and Bobby and Cass. He's able to to get himself back. You know, this is all this whole season is about kind of them all coming together again. Um, but they they spent the whole season stripping Dean down and having Dean fight his way, you know, back to back to Dean. And on the other hand, with Sam, it's been about this whole season has been trying to build him back up from what he did because Dean has with all of his faults, he never went dark side. He never beat the hell out of his brother because he was all hopped up on demon blood. Sam went evil. You know, he did, he did evil things and it takes a lot to come back from that. And it feels like redemption can only be found through the current plan that they're on. But they've done a good job of, of building him back up. They stripped Dean down to have Dean have to find that that strength in himself again. And 
and have his brother's confidence in him to, to be able to pull himself back up. And now with, with Sam, he, he's had to learn from all of his mistakes. We, they couldn't let Sam just, you know, forget about last season. Okay. Well, now we want him to be a better character and do the good thing. Um, they've, they've, they broke him down. They had him do the worst thing, hit rock bottom, and they've spent the season making him into a hunk again. And now I think that both of their character arcs have worked so perfectly for what we're about to get in this next episode. I do want to color in between the lines on your description of Dean there for a minute, if you don't mind. Do it. Because I feel like he's, he's never gone dark side, but he did, he, he did show weakness in hell, right? Like he, he stepped off the oh, rack yeah. and, and started torching other people, which was the first seal. And I think that part of his unwillingness to forgive Sam throughout the last couple of seasons are, is more related to his unwillingness to forgive himself and his, the fact that every time Dean has allowed himself to hope for a way out of this, whether it was with meeting Joshua or whether it was meeting angels or whether it was whatever, um, it's always failed him every single time. And we've seen Dean's faith, <clears throat> faith in his family, faith in himself completely broken. And that comes to a head when the first time we meet, um, famine and famine tells him that he basically has no soul. And from that point, we see Dean going through these motions, right? Like we see him do the stuff that he's been trained to do by his father and by Bobby and by everybody in his life. Um, but he's not really fully committed into it. Um, his, his job more, his, the things that he was concerned about the most was protecting Sam. Like that seemed to be his priority over everything, over everything. Like he yeah. wants to save the world, but he also is not going to sacrifice Sam to do it, which is a ridiculous right. proposition. Um, so coming to the end of this, making this promise to death, realizing having, if not just a cosmic entity, but the cosmic entity, <laughs> tell him that he has to do this. And for Bobby to back that up and to say like, you know, you're, you're, you're doing your brother a disservice by not letting him do this. Like this is his choice. Who are you to say him in his way? And he doesn't say that in so many words, but I think that's what Bobby's trying to get across is that you got to allow you got to give your brother space to be a hero and coming to that conclusion. And, and we're going to see the in, the, in the next episode that we cover, we're, we're going to see that to fruition. And, but like but Dean's face as he's realizing this, Dean's realizing all this at the end of this episode is just a, a, like you said, like a culmination of the last two or three seasons worth of character work. Mm -hmm. And it, it pays off wonderfully in this, in this scene. You know what? It, some of the, stuff that's happened to, to Dean in season five. And I don't mean this in a negative way. It's almost like he doesn't have his like personality anymore. Um, he's been faking it for all of season five. And I yeah. mean that in a good way. I mean, then like a, that's a strong writing thing for Dean here. He's, he's been faking it this whole time, but I feel like despite everything, Dean is, is getting back to Dean again in, in the face of everything. He's going to pull himself back. And I think, you know, that's, that's part of him being stripped down, right? Like that's what you were talking mm -hmm. about is having all of that, mm -hmm. all of that extra personality, you know, that time that he was on Valentine's day, which is typical, uh, you know, drifter Christmas or whatever, <laughs> lonely drifter <laughs> Christmas and him not wanting to do that. Like him, the, the sacrifice of Ellen and Joe this season and seeing like what could have been the love of his life or maybe not the love of his life, but seeing this, this, this person that he loved dearly being ripped away from him uh, because of his mission, because of this mission that he has to do. That's that's going to change him, and that's going to remove mm -hmm. those those urges, those the desire to have your own life. It's it's just going to make you into a like a like a full on soldier soldier who is only concerned with the world is trying to deal with this threat. Yeah. And it it I'm sure that's going to wear you down soul wise, right? Like that's got to be fucking that's got to be a fucking drag, man. Yeah. Um. 
so yeah, this is this is a really good episode. It's a really good penultimate episode. Uh, I, I can't believe we only have forty five minutes left of, of this season five before we get to the ending. So yeah, do you wanna, I don't do I don't care what anybody says or what Wikipedia will tell you. This was this, they're we're pitching this as the end. They're giving us an ending. I mean, they say as much in the next episode. We're coming up on what could serve as the final episode of Supernatural if they didn't get picked up, which it was uncertain at the time. Yep. Then this would have been the ending of Supernatural. And that's why this episode means so much. And that's why they had to, to go all in on it. And I think it's important to remember that it, um, it, it can serve as an ending. Like I know a lot of people that when I talk about Supernatural, they say, Oh yeah, I watched the first five seasons and I just don't even know. Like I hear stuff that happens and I, it, I'm kind of curious, but at the same time, I just, I don't even like, I just leave it alone. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, that's perfectly mm-hmm. acceptable. You could do the same thing with Dexter. Like if you watch Dexter, just you watch season one of Dexter and you get that really great ending and that, that kind of does some weird stuff to you. That would work. You don't have to see ever see uh, John Lithgow's ass in season five. Like you could just avoid that from your brain entirely. Uh, but you don't have to watch the nine seasons of garbage that came after that. And that's, that's fine if that's what you want to do. Some people like that season, those seasons of garbage. Though. And the last episode of season five that we're going to cover is titled Swan Song, written by Eric Kripke and Eric Jizz Gerwitz. <laughs> Why did I not read this before? It's terrible. Directed by Steve Boyum. Air date was May 13th, 2010. The climactic showdown between good and evil is at hand. With the apocalypse looming, Sam and Dean realize they are out of options and make heartbreaking decisions that will change their life forever. Yeah, heartbreaking is going to be the name of the game in this episode, right, Chris? Mm-hmm. Uh, we start out with the most excellent carry on my wayward son mon- montage that uh, pretty much drives home the enti- everything that's happening in this season. Yeah, catches us up. I'm like, I'm still, I'm shook still. I'm torn from watching this episode earlier tonight and now having to talk about it. I watched it earlier tonight too, and uh, I gotta say, I'm, I'm all out of faith, Chris. I really am. <laughs> Seriously, uh, sometimes I think I'm like, man, do I not like this show as much as some of the fandom does? Because the other people react, no. No, what this episode, how this episode makes me feel, is uh, is a real indicator that I might be a supernatural super fan. Uh, we start with a unusual opening. Um, it's kind of old timey footage of a car factory, and we get a a voiceover narration, which is something that we really have not had in, in Supernatural in five no. seasons. So it's it's unusual. Uh, super fans will recognize the voice of Chuck right off the bat, um, and Chuck is narrating basically the life of the Impala. And uh, this, this episode is going to be structured so that between different acts of this episode, we're going to get more of this narration. So it kind of serves as kind of an overall thing without necessarily addressing what's happening in the show. It's going to directly impact the things that happen in the show in a really kind of clever way. On April 21st, 1967, the 100-millionth GM vehicle rolled off the line at the plant in Janesville, a blue two-door caprice. There was a big ceremony, speeches. The lieutenant governor even showed up. Three days later, another car rolled off that same line. No one gave two craps about her, but they should have. Because this 1967 Chevrolet Impala, or 1969 if you're Jeremy, 
would turn out to be the most important car, no, the most important object in pretty much the whole universe. She was first owned by Sal Moriarty, an alcoholic with two ex-wives and three blocked arteries. On weekends, he'd drive around giving Bibles to the poor, getting folks right for Judgment Day. That's what he said. Sam and Dean didn't know any of this, but if they did, I bet they'd smile. After Sal died, she ended up at Rainbow Motors, a used car lot in Lawrence, where a young Marine bought her on impulse. That is, after a little advice from her friend. I guess that's where this story begins. And here's where it ends. Whew, Chris, I got, I've got goosebumps right now, man. Not even going to lie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a big moment. It is. Uh, you guys probably remember that the time when Dean was thrown back in time to meet his dad for the first time, he advised a young John Winchester who did not recognize his future son uh, to buy this car. That was the friend that was related to this. Um, I uh, This next scene is... Oh, man, this... <sighs> I don't even really know how to talk about this episode, Chris. Like, it's going to be so emotional for us. Um, mm-hmm. Sam is sitting on top of the Impala. Um, it should be noted, as as Chris was reading that, like, in your head, you should be just visualizing, like, a bunch of, like, like the Impala, like, you know, there's a, there was all kinds of, like, a montage of images about the Impala. So when we go back to Bobby's house and we see Sam kind of camped out on the hood, it's, it feels almost like coming home in a way. Mm-hmm. Dean walks up, grabs a beer. And they start having this conversation, and uh, Dean says, "Okay, I'm in. Uh, I'm, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do this thing. Like, I, you know, this is this is what we have left to do." And Sam's reaction of, uh, "You're gonna let me do this?" And Dean says, "It's it's not on me to let you do anything. Like, I, you know, I, I've spent my whole life watching you, and I didn't even realize that you grew up, and maybe I need to grow up a little bit too, and mm-hmm. let you do what you want." And I just, and then the, if anybody can do it, it's you (laughs) that he tells Sam. And for Mm -hmm. all of the things that we talked about in the end of the last episode to feed into this, to this moment of Dean, just implicitly trusting Sam, uh, to be able to do this, to put his faith into Sam at this very moment just feels it's emotional, man. Like this, this is very emotional. Mm -hmm. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. Even the, you know the double, double double brother knife throw, the 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 brother wink, the hell yeah that we got a couple uh, episodes ago. Singing, living it, on it a prayer. Singing, living on a prayer. I mean, all these montages that we're even going to see later, but it, it's all kind of come down to if anybody can do this, it's you. And and Sam says, "I let him out. I got to put him back in." It's it's such a matter of fact kind of. You know, I'm glad we don't get a lot of hemming and hawing from Sam. I don't know Same. if it's the the writers knowing it. And, you know, trying to show Sam's maturity in a way like he's hemmed and hawed for five years about all this shit. And and now he he's come to terms with where they're at. He knows what he has to do. He knows that I think it's less about redemption, even though that this is basically Sam's redemption for letting Lucifer out of hell. This is how he makes it right. He if he's the one who puts him back in, then that's the best he can he can do to, to make it right. Whereas it, it's always been about something for Sam. It's always been about revenge. It's always been about fighting off his own nature. It's always been kind of a selfish thing here. And I don't necessarily know if that's what this is. It is about him making right on a wrong he did, but it, it just feels like Sam has grown up and Sam knows that th- this is what he has to do. Like I said before, this curse that followed him around his whole life, he knows it. And this is, uh, 
it, it, it sucks. It is what it is, but this is what you got to do. Yeah. And again, just the, <clears throat> the culmination of all these things, like you said, he's never really, he's always had a reason for doing this. And it, it feels like this is, and I know there's obviously a reason to that he's saving the world, right? Like that's, that's, that's what's on the line. And it's obvious that, you know, he wants to make up for what he did in the past, but at the same time, I think in, in the fact that he trusted his, his brother and his family to help him and didn't try to force the decision or didn't try to do it on his own. I think he kind of accepted like part of his fate and this is what he's got to do. And the fact that everybody eventually came around to that decision without him browbeating them into it or yelling about their emotions or anything like that uh, does show that Sam has grown and, you know, which is specifically spelled out in this conversation. I love the fact that he says, uh, you know, I I let Lucifer out. I'm going to put him back in. And then we basically go to, a slow zoom out and then smash into that supernatural splash screen. And I, yeah. I just, it's yeah. really good. Um, uh, this is this kind of maturity, this final growth makes up for in some ways, or, or makes all of the hemming and hawing that we've been annoyed by for so long. Uh, it almost makes that worth it because it is such a, a, a sharp uh, change from those days, from the days where, or Sam is wringing his hands and browbeating, like you said. Um, it's it's he's grown up. We finally got to see Sam grow up a little bit. We did. The next scene, however, is disturbing as hell. Um, after just our random blood screen, we just have like demons hung up by on like meat hooks or something, and just draining blood and demon blood into milk jugs. And uh, it's nasty. It's dirty. Everybody has blood all over them, basically. Like, Dean accidentally wipes it on his face at one point, which is super gross. Um, yeah. And this is going to be the first inkling that we get that as much as Dean has put his faith into Sam, he's really uncomfortable with this whole enterprise. Um, yeah. It, not necessarily that he doubts Sam, but that he's just scared. And he's going along with it because, really, there's nothing else that he can do at this point. Like, there's, there's no other options available to him. They wouldn't be doing this if there were, you know. So, but they they are they're gathering the demon blood. They we need to have Sam all juiced up, and they're following the signs. And Bobby's kind of tracked potential areas where Lucifer might be uh, all over the country. And one of the places he mentions, kind of offhandedly, is Detroit. And Dean goes, "Nope, that's it. That's where Lucifer is," because of the the flash forward scene that the angels showed him. Uh, about halfway through the season, and he has that conversation with Lucifer, and Lucifer himself inside Sam's body says, "It's always going to happen in Detroit. Sam's going to say yes there." So that so Dean knows we have to go to Detroit. That's where we'll meet Lucifer. And um, <laughs> I like that because it makes that that end that that flash forward with of that episode called the end like work like it mm-hmm. feels like you're working like it feels like the, the writers predicted the future and are writing to that future to a degree. And um, so it, it automatically makes you feel helpless uh, because we, it, we know that Sam said yes there and everything went wrong and everything went bad and Dean survived and hasn't spoken to his brother since and Misha turned into a weird sex yoga person. Um, mm-hmm. That's not weird. I guess if you're into sex yoga, that's fine. I don't not You just it's not. He wasn't Castiel. That's all right. I'm saying. Um, so they get in the Impala. Uh, yeah, man, Cast- Sam looks hella nervous in this. As he's like loading up the Impala before they leave, there's two scenes. There's this scene where Sam looks like petrified, and mm-hmm. there's another scene after, uh, I think, well, after some stuff happens where Dean just looks absolutely devastated and petrified. Uh, and it's emotions that we don't usually see on these two. Fear is not something that the boys are, are usually tasked with uh, showing. <laughs> 
Yeah, usually if if they're scared of something, it's kind of abstract. It's what are we going to do about this? But Sam is literally fidgeting because he's about to do something and he can't help himself. He can't. St- I mean, not even like he can't. Like it's an urge, but he he's unable to stop because he has to do it. He he has to go through with this. I'm sure like the this is how the, the I'm not gonna actually compare this to a real war, I guess, but like I can see soldiers in battle having this like keyed up, you know, tension before you, you know you have to do something, it's gonna be scary, it's gonna be threatening your life, but you have to do it anyway. And yeah, when they're when they're loading all this stuff up, it's it's Sam is literally fidgeting. Like a six foot seven guy like fidgeting, like bouncing from foot to foot is fucking scary. Like it's <laughs> you just get a little nervous about the guy. Um They load up Yeah, but uh on the car ride over there, we have a, a brother talk about they, they're going over this again because this is not the first time one of them has died. Mm-hmm. And of course that's where this, this story is going uh, with, with the, the current plan. If Sam succeeds, you know, he's not going to live. So he makes Dean promise not to bring him back and to go and live a normal life, to go find Lisa, to go live the apple pie life. I think is how he describes it, that he believes Dean wants and that he believes Dean has always deserved. Um, we don't talk about it much anymore because it's been, that was season one and two territory, but there is that real, real craving in the both of them to have a, a normal life, to not be hunters, to not have been driven around the country and to be able to just like live at a place and not fight demons and watch TV and, you know, grow old and get fat. Um, so that's what, that's what he makes Dean promise him. Go live a normal life. And 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 before this, when he when he makes him say that, when he, Sam says that for the first time, I want you to promise me, like, I, you know, I'm going to be in that cage, uh, but you you can't try to get me out. You can't go poking at this cage because it might open again, and then we'll be in the same situation over. Dean is fucking pissed. Like it's it's like he caught Dean out on like like Dean had like sneaky little idea in the back of his head, like, oh man, I can go do a deal and get Sam out of there after all this is over with. Like, not even 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 now, not considering this thing final. And he he reacts angrily to Sam, right, and says like, "No, I, no I'm definitely going to do that. What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> I uh, and it, it's it's and Sam does extract that promise. You know, go find Lisa, go find Ben, and Dean eventually has to just cave in. And um, and Sam is is got super serious veiny face about all of this. Uh, and it's it's I like I, I like Jared a lot, man. But sometimes I swear he can kind of take you out of a scene. Um, but it's. I love this emotion between the two brothers. Like, I love the fact that Sam automatically knew that Dean had a Weasley idea in the back of his head to try to get him out of this. Right. Like Dean, uh, Sam just fucking, cause he knows he would have done the same thing. I guarantee you, Sam would, and we've seen Dan- Sam do almost exactly the same thing. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh right before this though, I just want to comment because for our, for our Destiel fans out there that <laughs> Dean looks in the backseat and is like, Oh, isn't he a little angel? Cause Castiel is just straight up passed out in the backseat. Cause he's so tired of being a human. Yeah. But he's like, <laughs> or, or Sam is like, uh, angels don't sleep actually. So he's not anymore. Mm. <laughs> well, he's my little angel. Um, so then, yeah, we're in Detroit and it's time to say some goodbyes. Uh, the Bobby's the, first. Bobby's first. He's bittersweet. You know, we're not not even bittersweet. Just sad. Just to see you around, kid. Yep, see you around. Uh, give him hell. Keeps go down swinging. What else do you say? <laughs> you know, fight him. Fight him tooth and nail. Um, and you know, gives him a hug, and that, that's really about it. But like, you can't stretch this out for very long. And the emotion, like you know, again, we've talked about it a lot. That Bobby is this dude's dad, more or less. Um, in a lot of different ways, and. Can you imagine your Bobby and you're sending this kid into 
literally the devil's lair to confront Satan. I don't think and, I can. <laughs> and just and just like having to be like having to have that the ha, ha, making yourself let go and what that must feel like to say goodbye to somebody you love like that. I, I just like that putting your putting some myself in that position. I, I can't even imagine. No. Uh, and then there's this, they had to do something to kind of break the tension. So it, Sam tries to give Castiel a handshake and it's very awkward. Yeah. This, this whole thing is weird. And uh, I think he says something like, um, he's, Cass, I think Sam says something like, you know, it's, it's been good or whatever. And he's like, this is a terrible idea or whatever. And Sam's like, what? And he's like, oh, I should have lied. And he starts like doing these really bad lies. <laughs> I like Castiel a lot in this scene. Sorry. So yeah, then it's uh, him and Dean don't really say much. It's just okay, time to do this. You might not watching this, Dean, as he lifts up the trunk and just has to now drink all of that blood. Now, if you drink that much water, if you drink that much milk, you die. A human body would die. So I'm just gonna look at this as like a um, he's like absorbing a, like magic power. It's not like he's the liquid is becoming magic. It's not. It's different. So you know? so the scene is that. Uh, they're they're sharing a look over this demon blood, this demon blizzy, and he asked Dean to to like move aside, and then I, we go to a commercial, I think, and then we um, and then when we come back, uh, we, he he's just walking out from behind the trunk. So in my mind, he drank like fourteen gallons of demon blizzy, and then just took like a real long piss and got all that out of his system. I just <laughs> and he was it, like, okay, I'm ready, let's go. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It has it has to just be like absorbed magically. And yeah, like, sure, dissolve right out of the system. And it's a uh, uh, it's a credit to Jared here on his acting ability that when he walks away from the the Impala, he he walks away with a confident swagger that we haven't seen from him thus far. Like mm-hmm. he he is he is ready. And then they kind of rush up on this building, and he just starts yelling like, "Okay, I'm here! Like you know, come and get me, motherfucker!" And uh, yeah, he's like literally screaming. And and Dean is to the side, and obviously walking with Sam, which. You know, Dean's obviously got the rings, and the whole idea, this whole fan, this whole plan, is to get Sam to say yes so that they can throw him in the cage real quick. Um, but man, like, I, it's props to fucking Dean for for going through with this because, like, mm-hmm. at this point, you can see that he's extremely worried about it because, you know, Sam making this promise is one thing, especially Sam at the end of season five, going having gone through everything. Sam on Demon Blizzy is a totally different dude. It's a totally yeah. different variable. So it's it, this is a this is a roll of the dice right here. Um, and it it pretty much works. Like they they get some demon guards, and the demon guards you know wrestle them up, and, and then they're in the presence of Lucifer. And this is terrifying because Lucifer is super scary. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucifer is pretty surprised that that Sam is here to say yes because he's like, really? Okay. I mean, I don't know how if it's fake surprise or real surprise, but he's a little bit incredulous. He doesn't really he doesn't buy what they're selling, and what Sam is selling is is, is a fake deal, basically we want off this train this is this is a whole steamroll of bullshit and we don't want to deal with it anymore so i'm gonna say yes but then when the fight is done uh me and my brother and we're gonna be safe and you're gonna bring back our parents and you're gonna give us what we want which i bet lucifer could do all of that if they were really being genuine uh but lucifer is like come on buddy did you think that i wouldn't know about the rings uh and then it's kind of the the jig is up. Lucifer knows about the rings. He knows why Sam is here. He calls him out on lying to him. He says, "I I've never lied to you. Why are you going to lie to me now?" I love that line so much. Like that's so good. Yeah. I've never because that's the very first thing that Lucifer really said to him is, "I'll never lie to you." Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, "Okay, fine. 
this is how you want to do it. You want to have a uh, a one on one match between the two of us for for your body. Uh, in fact, he, he says a fiddle of gold against your soul says I'm better than you. And Sam says yes. He lets him in. They're going to have their uh, mano imano ba- uh, battle inside of Sam's head. The Impala, of course, has all the other things cars have, and a few things they don't. But none of that stuff's important. This is the stuff that's important. The army man that Sam crammed in the ashtray. It's still stuck there. The Legos that Dean shoved into the vents. To this day, heat comes on and they can hear him rattle. These are the things that make the car theirs. Really theirs. Even when Dean rebuilt her from the ground up, he made sure all of those little things stayed, because it's the blemishes that make her beautiful. The devil doesn't know or care what kind of car the boys drive. And, and it's around this time, and I'm, I probably don't have my timing worked out great, but um, it's around this time that we get another segment of uh, Chuck's narration. And uh, I, I like this because it pulls us away from the action a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and we get kind of uh, some background. And it's, Chuck talks as he's, as he's describing what's happening. Um, we see it on the screen. And like actually showing that stuff, and then again showing the car crash from se- the end of season one, showing rebuilding it, I think it's, it's pretty powerful. And also, um, mm-hmm. what just what badass little kid? Stop fucking up my car! <laughs> Why did you rebuild a car and put Legos on the heater, Dean? That's not great. <laughs> I guess he just didn't take them out. Sure, I guess. Um, so there's we're ready to go. Uh, did we talk about it? Sam telepathically killing the two demons, by the way? Cause that's really no, cool. We didn't, but yeah, it was yeah. some real, some <laughs> real shit. He just kind of blinks and we see the demons eyes light up, uh, very much like the effect that we saw when, uh, Lucifer was casting the spell to, to net death. Yeah. Um, um we should it should be noted that so the plan has failed before they even even yeah the, the get he, yeah none of this was ever going to work. But Sam is still just like screw it. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that he knows. Let's just do this thing. I'm going to beat him anyway. And, says, and yes. Dean and Dean, you can kind of tell that Dean is a little worried about this. Yeah, Dean's, Dean's already a, been worried. <laughs> um, but he says yes. He screams yes at him, and we see a bright light. We they, the camera goes to the outside of the room, so we can see lights light up in there. When we go back in, uh, Nick is gone, right? Is Nick on the floor or is he just gone? I feel like Nick's gone. I don't know. Yeah, I don't even think we see him again. Yeah. I don't uh, recall seeing then, him. And Sam's laying on the floor. Uh, he he starts to wake up and uh, Dean realizes it's still Sam. So he quickly pulls out the which is the cock ring of, of, of Lucifer's cage. Yeah. Um, throws it at the wall and starts chanting. It sticks to the wall and then the wall starts caving in and there's just this blackness um, that opens up like this void on the other side. And for as small of a budget as this show has, I think this is really effective CGI. Like, yeah. This to me is like some Hellraiser shit and I can get down with some Hellraiser shit. Like I, I like yeah, that stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. So Sam starts to march towards this this black hole. His hair is blowing back. Everything's looking real intense. And Dean's helping him up and like pushing. I him can feel like, go, go him. Sam, go Sam. Go Sam. I can feel him inside me. And he walks up to the uh, the portal. And just then he says, "I was just messing with you." Sam is long gone. Yeah, he actually says psych. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you remember that. It's definitely psych, in the, and then he's in just gone. Psych. Uh, yeah, and then Lucifer as Sam undoes the spell, takes the ring, and he's gone. And Jensen 
Dean, both of them, they look absolutely devastated. Well, before he leaves, he he looks at Dean and says, I told you, this would always happen in Detroit. And mm-hmm. I love because it, it implies a a it implies that Lucifer is beyond time to an extent, mm-hmm. which I think mm-hmm. is really great. Um, and it's it's really it's terrifying. But you're right. The, the, the star of the show here is Jensen because he literally starts like doing the Dean tears and. He puts Chris, his hands on his head, just like, oh no, oh my god, I get, I got, I got kind of emotional doing this. I'm not going to lie. I was emotional the entire episode. <laughs> um, our next scene is where Lucifer in Sam's body is surrounded by these people that are standing stock still and not moving and not speaking. He starts speaking to Sam, even though he just told Dean that Sam is long gone. He starts speaking to Sam out loud and says, okay, look, I'll, you know, you have to stop screaming and stop scratching, but I'll, I'll take the muzzle off. And then throughout the rest of this episode, Lucifer is going to talk to Sam basically through mirrors around the room, (laughs) more or less. Like, so that's basically Jared acting to himself. And uh, we talked a little bit about this in the, before the podcast. Uh, I feel like Jared does a better job as Lucifer. A lot of the times that he does Mm -hmm. as Sam. And I think it's because they're not asking Lucifer to carry a lot of that emotional baggage that Sam has to. Like he, he can just be calm and cool and collected and cold and not have to lean into the deep please drama mm-hmm. that he, he does as Sam. Um, but the dynamic really works for me. Like a lot of this stuff usually comes off as really cheesy when you have one actor talking to himself, but this really mm-hmm. works for me. What about, what about you? Yeah, I, I totally, when I watch this, I buy both characters. It's almost like I'm still seeing Mark Pellegrino instead of Sam or instead of Jared. Um, mm-hmm. not because he's necessarily acting like him, but that's how I've imagined Lucifer this whole time. I'm still seeing the two faces as, even though it's just Jared. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm into this. I think it's a, it's an effective scene. It's, um, I, I didn't write down all the exact quotes, but Lucifer starts to say like, I'm not, I'm not the bad guy here. You know, I'm, uh, I'm trying to make you happy, but Sam says, I'm going to rip you apart from the inside out. Uh, Lucifer responds with such anger. I think he, he says such anger, young Skywalker, but I didn't write that down because yeah. I hated it. He, he does. He does. Um, well, it fits with the, you know, am I going to go dark side? Like it's, it fits yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like it's, that's, I think the, the, you, you don't have to. Um, he also says, and I want to see if you get this. He says that they are two halves of the same whole. Yeah. And then he says, uh, M F E O literally. And I, I don't know what that is. What, what, what do you know that reference? No, no idea. I had no idea what he said. I, I rewound it to re-listen to it, and I was like, "What the hell is this guy saying?" Yeah, maybe somebody. I mean, I guess I could Google it, but no, no, no. Let's just let our listeners Google it for us. We're too busy. We got to make content. We, we had yeah, to hunt he, time uh, shit. <laughs> he says, um, "Yeah, he says we're two halves of the same whole, but also like, do you do you hate me or do you just hate what you see when you look at yourself? Because we are the same thing. Are they though? I don't really feel like they are. No." But that's really what they need Sam to believe. Uh, M-F-E-O means made for each other. Does it really? Made for each other. I've never heard that in my entire Neither life. Neither have I. And I am so fucking old. I've heard a <laughs> lot of things. Uh, okay, so they are literally made for each other. I mean, that, yeah. that is true. That is, you but know, yeah, well, I mean, I guess he starts to say, like, you know, all those times that you ran away from your family, that was, that was, you weren't running away from them. You were running to me. I'm your real family. Lucifer is, is really trying to pull Sam to the dark side, really try to make him doubt everything. I mean, they're waging a, a mental battle against each other. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Sam doesn't really have what it takes on his own here to fight back. What can he say? I'm going to rip you apart. 
And he's like, no, 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 good, good. That's good. Be really mad. Give me that anger. That's exactly what I need for you to be powerful. Come on, dude. Um, so Sam, Sam can't win here. He can't, he, he doesn't have the tools right now in front of him to, to be able to, de- to defeat Lucifer. Um, so, but Lucifer says he, he wants to make Sam happy. And, and Sam says, I don't want to have anything from you. I don't want you to give me anything. Um, yeah, I don't want my family back. I don't want to keep Dean alive. Like, I don't want you to give me anything. And then I love that Lucifer says, a little payback. not even a little payback. Come to find out, uh, all of these people that have been standing up are all people from Sam's past, his grade school teachers, his prom date, uh, coaches, those kind of things. And they've all been Azazel's lackeys. Mm-hmm. So like, imagine being told that all of the, a lot of the important people in your life were just fake, that they were doing it just to keep an eye on you. They were all horrible demons intent on you know seeing you <laughs> unleash Satan on the world. Um, it kind of doesn't work with what we see at the end of season two, where, uh, you know, they didn't necessarily know, like Azazel didn't know that Sam was the quote unquote chosen one back then. So I guess he just had a lot of demons doing this for a lot of kids, but <laughs> I, I'm also willing to totally overlook it. Cause it could also, I know Lucifer hasn't lied to him yet, but it could just be Lucifer lying. Like there's nothing stopping Lucifer from lying to a human. He thinks they're trash. So That's true. he just um, says he doesn't lie, but exactly. That could just be a lie. Chris, I don't know if you know how lies work. Yeah. He, he basically uh, tells Sam, Hey, your whole life has been a lie. Um, yes. And whether that's true or not, I'm pretty sure it's true. Um, <laughs> these demons have always been, been watching over you. You've been guided here. And maybe John Winchester was really the only thing keeping him uh, uh, safe, but he's gone. And we they don't show it, uh, but we go, to a, we go to a different scene, and when we come back, uh, Lucifer is covered in blood, and all of these demons, all of these humans inhabiting and that were inhabited by these demons are all bloodied and dead on the floor. And he, and he kind of just looks over at the mirror and, and just smirks. And Sam is just, you could tell he's, he's, he's shaking. He shook fam. <laughs> he shook fam. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's just, he's, he's terrified by this power. Like he has no idea how to fight this. He has no clue right. what, what, what he's going to do. Um, Meanwhile, see- Dean, Dean is desperately yeah. trying to find where this battlefield is going to be. Um, Cass and Bobby though have, have kind of given up. And yeah. I, I don't want to discredit them, but like at this point, Dean is the only one who's still holding on. Yeah, well, we got we got to do something. We got to stop it. And Castiel is like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Like, we need to go find a liquor store and drink it." And even Bobby is like, "You know, we son, we tried. Like, we we've done our best. We've we've done everything that we can." And he's just so disappointed in this. In the background, we see TVs showing um, earthquakes and floods, and like it's literal end of the world shit. And um, yeah, that's that's not a good thing. In between jobs, Sam and Deed would sometimes get a day, sometimes a week if they were lucky. They'd pass time lining their pockets. Sam used to insist on honest work, but now he hustles pool like his brother. They could go anywhere and do anything. They drove 1,000 miles for an Aussie show, two days for a Jayhawks game. And when it was clear, they'd park her in the middle of nowhere, sit on the hood, and watch the stars for hours without saying a word. It never occurred to them that, sure, maybe they never really had a roof and four walls, but they were never homeless. I just cannot believe that I forgot to copy and paste that last sentence, and I fucking love that you nailed it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I struggled enough getting up there. So, man, that was fucking great. I, I, I was as soon as I got to the last one, I was reading along. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, yeah, no, I just remembered the line. <laughs> um, once we get done with the uh, the the Chuck narration, um, we go back to where are we? Um, Dean calls Chuck. <laughs> yeah, Dean just straight up calls Chuck. In fact, I think it's that's that's how the it works. Like after he's finished, we're seeing Chuck type that out, um, like live. Basically, the phone rings and he answers the phone and says, "Mistress Magda," <laughs> uh, which the tri- which the trivia section in the in the Supernatural Wiki seems to is, seems to think is a reference to Mary Magdalene. So, that's what I was thinking, actually. Yeah, I could. I, I guess I can see it just because Magda, but also. If you play Diablo three, like Magda is a big character in Mag- Diablo three. She's like a witch mom or something. So, I mean, anyway. I bet that's probably because of Mary Magdalene as well. Probably so. How deep does this Magda hole go, Chris? Oh, uh, I don't want to know how deep any holes go in this show. Dean is is questioning Chuck. Like you said, he wants to find the scene of the final fight. Um, you know, Chuck is up to speed, obviously, because he's a prophet. Uh, the angels try to keep the knowledge of where this fight would be away from him. Uh, but he's the prophet, so he he knew anyway. Uh, he tells Dean that it's going to be in Stahl Cemetery, which is a cemetery that Dean happens to know outside of Lawrence, Kansas. Um, Dean says, "Why, you know, why, why there?" And Chuck says, "I don't know. Maybe it has to end where it began." So uh, this final fight between Michael and Lucifer is going to take place directly, like you know, a couple of miles from the the old Winchester house. Yep. Um, this is where old Yellow Eyes killed her mom and mm-hmm. turned Sam Darkseid. I love the scene between Dean and Cass and Bobby. Uh, mm-hmm. Dean is rushing to the Impala. Cass and Bobby are kind of trailing behind. They're they're kind of like I'm not going to say zombified, but you can tell they're very out of it. Like they've they've kind of they've been shaken to their core about this. And uh, where you know where are you going, Dean? And he's like, Well, I found out where this fight fight is, and I, I'm going to go there. He's like, Well, you're you're just you're just going to go there to watch Sam die. And he's like, Well, I'm I'm not going to let him die alone. If that's what yeah, I have to man. do. And he says you're just going to watch Michael kill your brother. Then then I'm not going to let him die alone. Fuck. That's fucked. so fucking good, Chris. Like that. I mean, just this devotion to his brother beyond all of things, all these things like this willingness to let him sacrifice himself as long as the world would be saved. But now that that's off the table, like, fuck it. I'm there for my brother and nothing else. That's Mandina is, is family to the core. I don't really feel like he's going there with any intentions to win. Not at all. He's just, he's, well, he's not thinking that far ahead anyway. He just, he, he's doing exactly what he said. He's not going to let Sam die alone. Oh man, this episode. I'd like that it's it's well it's, it's interesting that that Cassio is so sure that Michael is going to win. Mhm. I Michael am Michael's not, not even in the real vessel, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> He's operating at like 0.5 proficiency right now. What are you talking about? Um we go directly to the cemetery and uh it's Lucifer in 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 the Sam meat suit. Uh, wearing him to the prom. It's Adam, or excuse me, it's Michael in the Adam meat suit, also wearing him to the prom. And uh, there's this conversation between Lucifer and Michael that echoes a lot of the relationship that we've seen built up between Sam and Dean over the years. It's, yeah, um, it's all of the bad parts of the relationship mm-hmm. between Sam and Dean that we've seen over the years. But But Sam and Dean got past it. Michael and Lucifer did not, which is like their cosmic entities. I don't give a shit if, about their family drama. Um, but they but, do like they're destroying a world because of some family drama. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the very first thing Lucifer does is ask like, why are we fighting? You know, da- this is all dad's plan. This isn't us. Let's just, you know, we, we could just walk off this chessboard and be done. 
And which really echoes something that like Sam said in season one of like, you know, once this is done, I'm gone. Like we could just be done with this fight. Like I'm, I'm here to kill the yellow demon. I'm, I'm out. I want to live my life again. Just the, the echoes go so far, man. Like, yeah. and I know they're doing this on specifically on purpose, but they, they do it with a really deft hand and it's, it's really, really well done. Yeah. It's, it's remarkable that this entire episode hits it out of the park so well. Um, it's weird that the Lucifer is the one who says that part of me wishes we didn't have to do this. Mm-hmm. Lucifer kind of is implying that he doesn't want to fight, but you know, just like that, he's enraged and he's ready to go. Um, well, you he also says because, well, yeah, <laughs> he says dad made everything, which means he made me what I am. God mm-hmm. made the devil. Why are we going to kill each other? We're brothers. And, and Michael responds to this is, you know, I, I'm not going to rebel. Like I'm not, you're not going to tempt me into rebellion, which again, like setting up Lucifer, AKA Satan as the ultimate temptation, right? Like, which is what mm-hmm. he is and trying to seduce you into a, you know, a different path. And Michael does not go down that path, even though like for a couple of like for a good solid 30 seconds, I'm kind of on Lucifer's side here in this argument. I'm like, <laughs> come on, Michael, what are you doing? Just leave, go to Pandora where all the blue people are, hang out. Get some unobtainium, make some martinis out of it. You guys hang out and leave Earth alone for a little while. Uh, that's what we need to do. Uh, but no, he calls. He says, "You know what you what you did, uh, and it it made you a monster, and I have to kill you." And it's man, that is exactly what Dean said to Sam last season. It, it, like exactly, what, like it, I mean, it, the parallels are just they're running all over each other, Chris. Because um, that's what parallel lines do, right? They run all over each other. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they kind of they kind of square up and like they they kind of circle one another and uh, and I will say by the way I've talked a lot of shit about Adam Winchester on this podcast I don't necessarily like Adam uh please statement to the ball game Winchester um but I will say you give this dude a chance to actually do something and not just be a whiny brat <laughs> in an episode and he actually does a really good job like this Michael oh, yeah, shit yeah, works yeah. for me real well yeah we, yeah we don't we don't like Adam it's not nothing to do with the actor he's he does a great job <laughs> as Michael yeah. he makes us not like Adam which I think was the intention so good job <laughs> <laughs> um but as they're squaring up uh they hear a rumbling in the distance uh like it's a car revving up um and it's it's Dean Winchester who slams a Death Leopard tape into his tape deck, uh, playing Rock of Ages, and he just barrels through the the cemetery entrance, um, just as as big and brash as he please. This is one of my downsides for this episode, Chris. Uh, I, I I don't particularly like this song, and Man, I feel like it's incredibly goofy. I was wondering how this was going to come up because that's mm-hmm. always been. My one sticking point this episode is I <laughs> fucking so hate it. this stupid song. This is a dumb fucking song. Even when it starts with that, I was like, no. Thing. Oh, the God. first time, I remember being a little bit disappointed because it shows Dean Same. putting the tape, and I was like, "Back mm-hmm. in black" or something is about to fucking hit right now. And Our we're fucking a, carry on my wayward son, man. That's what you want to hear right there. <laughs> Dean classic, and then it's. But I was like, no, uh, uh-uh. uh. Even now, I like I cringe a little bit because I hate it so much. Yet I do get it that it, I feel like it's Dean picking the most obnoxious thing that he can think of to put in because he's really trying to make a statement here. He's really trying to throw a wrench into things. I, I hate it. I do get it because it's so obnoxious. I assume that's why they went with it. But yeah, Dean shows up. That's cool. Yeah, Dean shows up and he drives in. He 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 pulls up, not in between them, but like, you know, next to them, gets out and is like, oh, excuse me. Am I, am I interrupting something? <laughs> yeah. And 
the full-on arrogance that Dean is displaying in front of these literal archangels of the Lord is so great. Like, every time Dean does this, every time Dean um, just flips the bird to these fucking dickheads of angels, I, I just, like, I just cheer. I think that's one of the reasons I love Dean so much is because he gets to be the guy that shoves all of this away that takes his own path right like yeah. he this is the culmination of of all of the shit that dean has gone through like he's just going to drive up there and he demands to talk to his brother and when lucifer is like i you know i don't really have anything to say he's like i'm not talking to you i'm talking to sam sam if you're in there and i, I and the the interaction like when michael starts like you know what well, i you can't you can't just come in here and do this and he's like adam if you're in there he's like adam is not at home right now he's like well you, you need to stand back because at first i'm talking to him and then i'm then you're next on my list and i'm like jesus yeah. christ dean where <laughs> where is all, where are these balls coming from this he's is crazy got nothing left to lose he's just whatever you gotta go for it and this is probably one of the most iconic scenes of supernatural history mm-hmm. you think i mean this is up there yeah. right you want to you want to describe what happens uh hey ass butt Castiel chucks a uh, Molotov cocktail of holy water at Michael, and he gets zapped the fuck out of there. It's really great. Um, I, I I love this because Dean immediately says, "Ass butt." <laughs> it's just say, like what? Like what? <laughs> and Cass is like, "I I don't know." Uh, <laughs> the scene that follows it is for as goofy and as great as that is, and you give like a little fist pump when you see Castiel. Uh, Lucifer is fucking pissed, and I got to say. Talk about Jared Padalecki acting. Uh, him being pit. Like, did you just did you just send a Molotov cocktail to my brother? Excuse me. Yeah. Nobody gets to dick with my brothers but me. <laughs> and uh, I used to have this gift saved. I would use it constantly. Um, of of Sam just or Lucifer snapping his fingers and just evaporating Castiel in a in a gush of gore and and just vaporized blood. He utterly destroys Castiel's body. It's man, this is. It's just so it goes from being funny with the ass butt thing to two seconds later he's just he's he's gone. He he evaporates him. There's, there's like no other word for it. He he evaporates him. Yeah, this is and Dean's immediate reaction the no uh, mm-hmm. is, is is super powerful. Um. He slams Lucifer slams Dean against the Apollo. Yeah, who's trying to talk directly to Sam still. Bobby whips out the Colt that he's brought with him because apparently, how Kaz and, and Bobby get here is 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 a weird thing. Because I, I bet they just followed Dean. I feel like like he left. You feel like he just drove up and they snuck in. He okay, just, cool. He just followed after him. <laughs> what else are they going to do? It's the end of the world, right? Yeah. Um, might as, might as well see it happen, is what I would think. <laughs> I mean, like, if the yeah. world is going to end, I might as well watch these two weirdos fight each other in a fucking cemetery, like some two shitty goths. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> two uh, shitty goths is the name of this episode. Is it? Can we, can we, we could probably put two shitty goths in the name of the episode. I'm into that. Uh, yeah. But he shoots him, Bobby shoots Lucifer a couple of times with a cold. And of course it doesn't work, even though he shoots him once directly in the heart. And uh, Lucifer just reaches up and twists his wrist. And Bobby's neck snaps and he collapses and Dean sees now Dean is alone in the world and his brother, the only person he has left in the world is just beating the shit out of him. And in a way, in a brutal way that we really haven't seen in Supernatural, in a way that's just over the top and vicious, like just constant, fast, just hammering to his face to the point where they, 
they they put Jensen in a full on like beat to hell makeup where he looks like a different person. Yeah, he barely looks like Jensen. Jensen can't even do any acting anymore because his face is gone. Uh, and Lucifer says like I'm gonna beat you until I break every bone in your body. You know this isn't. He could just evaporate Dean too, but he wants to take it out of him. Um, Specifically God- because because. Dean has said, like, Sammy, please, Sammy, just talk to me. Talk to me, Sammy. And he says, Sammy is in here, and I'm going to make him watch watch every single bone in your body break. And we're going to do it slow. And just, just continues to hammer him in the face and, and just you know, beat him and it, beat him and beat him. And you know what Dean says? He says, it's okay, Sammy. I'm here. I'm here. I'm not going to leave you. As he's just getting – he's getting punched to death by the devil. And he says, I'm here, Sammy. I'm not going to leave you. And then a strange thing happens. A a beam of light reflects off the chrome trim of the Impala, and it hits Lucifer in the eye. And for a moment, he, he looks through the glass that he's holding Dean up against while he's beating him down, and he sees the uh, army man from earlier in the episode that Chuck said Sam has put in the ashtray and had gotten stuck there, and it's been there ever since. Um. And it causes Sam to go to remember everything, to remember this car, to remember his life with Dean, um, all of the things that they did together as children, all of the things that they've been doing together since they started hunting, all of the times that they've had in this world and in this car, and it helps him gain control. Man, the, the sound design, or rather the lack thereof of, of sound... As, as Sam Lucifer has raised his fist and the light catches his eye and, and he sees this thing that is enough to, to break through to Sam. And it, as it starts by showing the scenes we saw earlier of a young Sam and Dean playing in the Impala and then the montage of dozens and dozens and dozens of scenes from over the course of the last five years of this show of, of Sam and Dean in the Impala and everything that they've went through together in there, the good times and the bad times. And it, it's like the sound drops out and it's just, all, all, you, all you hear is this like, yeah, it's the wind, this wind blowing, this, this emptiness almost. And, and Sam is, Sam remembers all of it right in that moment. And right here is the bond between Sam and Dean is stronger than the devil. That's what this is. And this montage speeds up. And all these times that you start that you've seen on the show, like this, the last five years of the show that you've put hundred hours into, at least, um, you start seeing these scenes and they start overlapping each other faster and faster and faster until it's flickering across the screen, just like you normally see if somebody's life flashes before their eyes, which is what's happening here. Sam is seeing his entire life and he's using it to take control of of his body back from Lucifer, and it culminates and the sound hits, uh, comes back from that wishing noise. As he hugs Dean, you called it really early in the, uh, I don't remember what season, but you said that this was like our first, like real brother hug. You were like, this is the only, th- like the third time that it's ever happened or whatever. And I think it's this hug. I think it's specifically this hug. It's the hug when, when I think S- Dean brings Sam back from the dead at the end of season two. After he just <laughs> like sold his soul for him or whatever. And he hugs him. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, we, we see that. And then we see Sam in, in the present kind of shake. Like he just got his body back and he says, it's okay, Dean, it's going to be okay. I've got him. And he takes 
the, the the rings out of his pocket and he he opens the cage. And Dean at this point is just looking at him. He can't even say anything. He can barely talk. Yeah, his his whole face is a mess. <laughs> the brothers are just looking at each other. And it's Dean a few minutes ago just said it's okay, Sammy, I'm here and, and basically what Sam says back to him when he finally gets control is it's okay, Dean. At this point, Sam turns to jump into the cage, and Michael stops him. This the the Molotov cocktail, which I only banished him for a little while. He's and he's back he's, now. He's he's big shit. He's 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 like the <laughs> oldest archangel in the world. Um, death, God, Michael <laughs> is what it yeah. goes to. Um, Michael says, "Sam, you 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 can't do this. Like we." This is my fight. This is my this is my destiny to fight him. And it's my destiny to fight my brother. And you can see Sam rejecting that and not wanting Michael to fight Lucifer um to break those that those those chains of destiny. And he he closes his eyes as if to just fall backwards into this cage. Um and Michael rushes over in Adam's body and they both fall in. And the cage closes and Dean is there bloodied, bruised, misshapen, uh, his father figure for his entire life is, has a broken neck and is presumably laying in the guts of his best friend slash future lover. For the first time, Dean is completely alone in his life. Like, think about that. Like, think about this moment for Dean, right? He has literally nobody in his life. He's not going to go to Lisa right now. Like he's not going to bring this horrible baggage to Lisa. He's not going to spoil that kid, like that entire kid's life. Um, he has nobody in his life that he's really truly loved. That's alive. That's left. Joe's gone. Ellen's gone. Kaz is gone. Sam's gone. Bobby's gone. Dad's gone. Mom's gone. <laughs> like the list just goes down the line, and and he's just there, bloody, sitting next to the Impala, like just laying there having watched his brother fall into a cosmic pit of damnation to basically (laughs) suffer hell the rest of eternity if they're lucky it's an intense scene it's 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 mean chris it's fucking mean is what it is it's mean and this is where (laughs) this finale is great right are are you are you 100 percent in at this point oh yeah uh we we go to a commercial break we we show back up. Uh, Dean is kneeling down in the dirt, in the dirt, where the cage was, and he's just like kneeling there when Castiel shows up, like just shows up, like, "Hey, I'm here now." He's got and, his wings uh, back. He's <laughs> Bobby got his legs back. Cass got his wings back. It's it's, it's a full <laughs> redemption arc for all of our characters. Uh, and Cass just like touches him and, and completely heals him. Uh, where he's just just perfectly fine now, and uh, Dean asks Kaz if he's God, and Kaz is kind of amused by this, but he says no. Uh, although he thinks that God is the one that brought him back, uh, so even through all of this, God is is still acting, uh, which I find kind of frustrating. Like if I was Dean, I'd be really pissed off about all of this. Uh, well, he is really pissed he off is, about yeah. this. We're, we're we're gonna get into some of that. Uh, and then also he walks over to Bobby and just heals old Bobby up too. Brings Bobby mm-hmm. back to life because he's an angel now and angels can do that.
Endings are hard. Any chapped-ass monkey with a keyboard can poop out a beginning. But endings are impossible. You try to tie up every loose end, but you never can. The fans are always going to bitch. There's always going to be holes. And since it's the ending, it's always supposed to add up to something. I'm telling you, they're a raging pain in the ass. And, uh, <laughs> this scene between Dan, Dean and Kaz in the car, I think is one of the funniest things to happen in this episode. Dean and Kaz are back in the car. Kaz basically says he has really nothing to do, but to go to heaven. And Dean's kind of, uh, mad about that. He's like, Oh, so you're yeah. going to be God's bitch. <laughs> yeah. After all that, just going to go back and serve God again. So he says, you know, if you see God, tell him he's next on my list. Mm-hmm. Cause he, you know, Dean is blaming him for everything that they just went through. Which is valid, I think. Just another, uh, just another shitty test. <clears throat> he, um, he says, you know, that's, it's good for you because you've got your wings back. Um, but what about Sam? And, uh, to which like Jeremy Greer in the backseat of the Impala through the magical coin that Crowley left there says, and Adam. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, Dean says, all I got out of this is my brother in a hole. And Jeremy Greer from the backseat of the Impala through the magical coin that Crowley left in there says, Two brothers at all. I just love the immediate dismissal of Adam. Like it yeah, never fucking there, happened. It happened no three time. minutes ago, D. <laughs> There's no time for that. <laughs> um, Cass says Dean got what he wanted though, right? Like he wanted, he didn't want paradise. He didn't want hell on earth. He, he wanted he, more of he the same. more of the same. Yep. Um, Ed Cass, Cass asks, excuse me, Castiel asks him one question and he says, would you rather, what would you rather have peace or freedom? And then he's gone. This is the last Dean and Bobby will see of each other for a very long time. And for the record, at this point, next week, Bobby will be hunting a Rougarou outside of Dayton, but not Dean. Dean didn't want Cass to save him. Every part of him, every fiber he's got, wants to die or find a way to bring back Sam. But he isn't going to do either, because he made a promise. Yeah, Dean made a promise, so he goes to Lisa and uh, who has apparently been super worried about him uh, because she's a much better person than I am. <laughs> Cause I would, this random vagabond that I, I boned one time 10 years ago, <laughs> just does not have this much effect on my life. But Lisa's <laughs> a really good person. Apparently she invites him in for a beer, which is nice. Yeah. And then Chuck finishes this out by saying, so what's it all add up to? It's hard to say. But me, I'd say this was a test for Sam and Dean. And I think they did all right. Up against good, evil, angels, devils, destiny, and God himself, they made their own choice. They chose family. And well, isn't that kind of the whole point? then something interesting happens 
Chuck disappears. Chuck at his table writing this story on his computer just disappears. Um, like, and not in a way that we're, we're used to seeing like angels disappear where they just pop. Right. Like he doesn't just like flash out. He like, he like fades out. Yeah. Like and and kind of floats away. It's interesting. And I, when I watched this live in 2010, didn't notice. I was probably too busy wiping tears from my eyes. I did not notice that that happened to Chuck. It was only the second time that I went back and watched it later that week. That I was like, oh, <laughs> I missed something. Don't be coy, Chris. Later that week? Really? You mean, <laughs> you mean like, immediately after you watched it the first time? <laughs> it was probably a school night, so I had to go to bed. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're not, we're not quite finished with this episode, because no. um, we, see, we, see, we see Dean sitting at a table with Lisa and a, uh, a vague bin shaped area. Cause I don't think they actually have the kid um, doing like, you know, uh, domesticated family stuff, right? Like they're at a dinner table and uh, the camera kind of zooms out. Um, and as if Chuck disappearing into the ether, wasn't enough of a head scratcher to end this episode on as it, he- as it, as we zoom out, we see a streetlight come into the frame. The streetlight goes out and then below the streetlight, we see, Sam Winchester staring through the window. And I think that there's a, maybe this is me reading too much into it. When you first see him, I think for me, there was always the question, is that Sam or is that Lucifer? Because of the expression on his face. And for like the last half a second, I think that the expression on his face softens. And for me, I always took that as Sam. That Sam, he just, he just woke up here. Uh, I think that I, w- I want to have a conversation about what we believed was coming next for this, but maybe maybe save that for the feedback episode. Yeah, that, that, that seems like a good time to talk about that stuff because um, our, our our guest I think has some opinions as well. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see to hear all of that. Um, in the meantime, though, I um watching this now. Uh, my, 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 I have like my two complaints about this episode just to get them out of the way are the, uh, the idea that you're introducing some like object that's going to have a big effect on the boys. In this case, that like little army man that's stuck in the ashtray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no way they could have known, right? Like narratively that stuff, like it's really hard to place those things into a story, especially this on TV, like with a, a huge tail before it, like it's really hard to make that kind of stuff pay off. So you have to introduce it and then have it pay off pretty quickly. Um, but it, it, it is kind of a disappointment that it's just like, here's an army man. And, and, yeah, and Sam's like, Oh my God, it's the army man. The one that I've I loved agree. my entire life that I've never mentioned before. Now <laughs> I didn't, I, I always had an issue with that um, mm-hmm. because it came up this episode and then was the big thing this episode. But I also just took it as the the symbol, a representation of a life lived in the Impala, a life lived between these two brothers. I wish that they had used something more tangible that we were familiar with other than just the Impala. But I think that that really, if I'm able to step back from it, can I can be like, okay, well, that's fine. They're using the army man because it's a visual cue, but we know that. We know that this montage that we're going to see along with it, that's really what's pulling Sam back. Yeah. And and I think it works overall. I just think if yeah. I if we're 
if we're going to dissect the issue, uh, d- dissect the episode, that and the use of the fucking Rock of Ages by Def Leppard mm-hmm. um, is is probably the two main points of contention I, about this. But, but yeah, I 100% agree with both of those points. Um, and, and well, there's there's obviously also like the straight up Deus Ex Machina stuff with the <laughs> with like Kraz just coming back to life after a commercial break. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like as 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 emotional, like we, we've talked a lot about these episodes ending on a very bleak note, which is what they have been doing up until this point. And I think if season five had ended on a bleak note, I I don't know that it would have been renewed. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know that, like, I think fans, like, I think a lot of people would have been satisfied. Like, they would have been like, okay, that's the ending of this story. You know, that's that's all we, we need to know. Dean is a bloodied, broken man. And maybe he's going to go after Lisa, maybe he's not. But everybody around him is dead. But he saved the world. Yay. Like, and, that, and that's an ending, right? Like, you can write that mm-hmm. ending. It's bleak as hell. Like, that's some Cormac McCarthy shit right there. But, like, it's, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, but having, having Cass come back to life, save Bobby... Having Dean walk away from the hunter life, presumably, that's it gives everything a reason to go on, and I think you kind of mm-hmm. have to have that. Yeah, for me, I guess I I hadn't I had never heard the, the term Deus Ex Machina until I started listening to podcasts. Uh, mm-hmm. And at this point, I hope I never hear it again. But I, <laughs> sorry, I'll st- I use no, it all the time <laughs> in this podcast. I'm so sorry. Literally, it's, just, every it's hard when there's literal angels. <laughs> every podcaster now uses it. I don't know why. It's just the thing. It's just the thing. Um, I, I was so curious about why Cass was back and why Sam was back and why all this stuff was happening that it was more – it was just a deepening of, of the mystery or, or furthering of something because I, lo- I love a good like mysterious element to something and we don't always get that in Supernatural. So the – well, maybe it was God. Maybe it wasn't – idea was actually enticing to me because I thought that you know maybe it's not quite the happy ending. Maybe there is something still sinister going on here. We don't know. Um, I don't know. So you you were into the mystery of the idea more so than yeah. Than I, I like wasn't robbed of emotional yeah. investment. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was so. I mean, and at that point, I was so emotionally invested. Anyway, like I couldn't, I couldn't really be taken away from it. I overall, I think this played out as about as well as a episode of a CW television could depict the apocalypse without going into straight up like <laughs> cheesy ass CGI. Like we didn't talk about it, but the second time that they used the cage effect when they, when Sam or excuse me, yeah, when Sam throws the horseman rings onto the ground and that opens up and it kind of comes a, a hole into a pit, basically very, very visually arresting and, and, and very good. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's, it's interesting that how, really well. how small the scale is for the apocalypse. When you really think about it, when, now that you've kind of pointed it out, it's just two guys circling each other in a graveyard. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and, and presumably on, we've seen on TV like the rest of the world is burning and not having earthquakes and catching on fire, <laughs> right? Like that—that's happening around. Yeah. We just never see it, so it's hard to—it's it's hard to visualize it. And um, but Supernatural has always been about that personal touch. You know, we don't—we don't need to see the world burning. We need to see what these brothers are up to. Ag- agreed. Yeah, uh, man. I just—I can't. I feel like we've talked so much. This happened in season four too, where we, we, we delved so deep into these, into this episode that by the time we were done, I wanted a break so that I could talk about it more later. <laughs> Does yeah. that make sense? Is that a ridiculous thing to say, to think? Well, that's um, what the, uh, that's, that's what the, the episodes, <laughs> the uh, feedback episodes are for. Sure. Yeah. Um, but man, I, I just, the journey that these dudes have gone on from 
not only just season five, but from season one to season five. And I, you know, the, the relationship that they, these two brothers have developed, I think is something really special. Like, I think it's a, you know, that, that stupid meme of like name a better pairing or name a better, whatever. I can't remember, quite yeah. remember what it is, yeah. but it's yeah. like, you know, I'll wait, <laughs> come on, bring it. <laughs> and I, you know, as, as much as people talk about that, this was supposed to be the end. Um, it was obviously, it was obvious that they were doing a thing where they were throwing everything at a wall and doing their best to, to do everything. I'm very, very curious if the last five or 10 minutes of this show were filmed after they got renewed. I'm sure it couldn't have been just like mechanically. Uh, but I'm, I'm kind of curious if, if they had not had, if they had not been renewed, would they have just ended it with Dean in despair? Or did they like have this in the back burner or were they approaching the network with like two different versions of the endings? Like I'd be really curious about how all of that played out. Yeah. I, um, I not curious enough to actually Google anything. Don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I feel like most of the ending, well not most of, but part of the ending could remain with a just totally broken Dean going back and, and finding Lisa because he promised Sam that he would. Um, and then maybe none of the other stuff happening. It could have been sure. a, um, I mean, I had a lot of questions as to how the hell Sam was back. And, uh, I had a lot of possible theories for, for how he was back too. Was it God? Was it, you know, his reward was that he gets to come back to life or he was just pulled out of hell and he'll go to heaven. Or is this Lucifer still like there was there, I had a lot of questions, but I, I felt like I could be satisfied with this ending because of what they accomplished. Dean would finally get to live a normal life. I was kind of just going to ignore the, the, the grief and the tragedy for Dean just for my own kind of bow on top, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Dean, Dean finally, he let it, his brother do what he needed to do, and, and he's finally going to get a new family um, and, and, and a happiness that he deserves, even though that's, you know, that's things never work out like that. But fantasy, I'm going to think that. And Sam, he was finally able to redeem himself for all, for the demon blood in him, for the evil that he did over the years, um, for the curse. He was able to redeem himself. Dean was able to find happiness. And I always really, really liked it as an ending. He finally hashtag ripped him out of ripped it ripped out of yeah he hashtag he finally hashtag scrubbed it clean scrubbed it clean thank you um man what a fucking episode like what a what finale a fun episode. I, I I very much remember this finishing up and like at the time uh, Supernatural was again must watch TV for me so um like it would come on late at night so that I really didn't watch it the night of uh, but I would watch it the next night and it was like we're gonna like we're gonna autumn. Like we, we're going to watch this. We're going to have some beers. We're going to sit down. The lights are going to be off and then we're going to make dinner. We can do whatever we want to after that, but we're going to watch supernatural. And she was into it too. Like I'm saying that like she wasn't, but, uh, I remember finishing this that night and then the next day getting home and I'm like, I'm just going to go ahead and watch that again. <laughs> I just want to <laughs> see all of this stuff that happened because I, you know, you get involved in this stuff and you want to see it so bad. Mm-hmm. I, 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 man, I just love it. So I much. can't, it's hard for me to detach myself from my, my fanboyism or for the show. The show means a lot to me and it's hard to necessarily just pinpoint it all. Other than the fact that, you know, I was watching this earlier tonight and I, I had tears in my eyes because that's how much, you know, the story still affects me. And I was worried that it wouldn't not worry, but I, I, I just didn't, I didn't know if it would still have that same impact on me and it did. And that means a lot to me. And I just love this show. I love this episode. I love what it stands for, even for its imperfections, because I bet we could sit here after a few days and come back and, and, and pick apart and find all the negative things about this episode. We could do that with any episode, but that's not why we love the show. So, 
and and we're in a we're in a good spot right now where um we don't have to do that uh, right like there's there's enough meat on these bones that we we can ignore the occasional gristle um I, I am personally a little worried that as we go into the deeper seasons, we're, we're going to find that that's going to swap. But at the same time, like I've been so blown away about how much I'm enjoying this episode, enjoying this pace of watching these supernatural episodes that I think it's going to be good for me to watch these. And I think I'm going to find a new appreciation of them. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Um, same. If you guys are excited, we'll be back next week with a feedback episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go to monsteroftheweek.cool slash contact. Oh, yeah. People are going to listen to this. <laughs> yeah. people. Are t- this isn't just you and I having a conversation. Uh, <laughs> it got there. It got kind of real there for a little while. It did. <laughs> um, go to monsteroftheweek.cool slash contact. Send us your questions. Send us your thoughts about season five. Send us your thoughts of season finale. If you're brand new to the show, um, if you're just watching it for the first time along with the podcast, that's fucking great. We love you. Send us your predictions. We're not going to comment on if they're true or not, but we get a really good giggle reading them on the air. All of our listeners get a real good giggle, and it's usually a lot of fun. And at some point, we're going to go back, and and I'm going to collect all of those, and we're going to see who was right about what, because that's just the kind of motherfucker that I am. I think that'll be fun. (laughs) Um, If you enjoy the podcast, you might like our Patreon.com slash Monster of the Week. That way you can give us money so we can do more podcasts. We want to do supernatural <laughs> comic books, supernatural books. Yeah, I'm looking at these novels right now, man. I'm ready to bite into these, but man, I'm I, I just I'm not gonna make I'm not gonna start reading them until we're there. Though. I'm just not gonna do that. <laughs> I just got finished with so much Star Wars books, and I don't want to watch. I don't want to read any more bad books. Uh, <laughs> but that really helps us out. Um, even even just a buck a month is it's it's a huge help. Uh, but there's different rewards and stuff. Go check that out. And um, is that really about it? I think that about covers it. Uh, where are you on Twitter, Jeremy? I'm at JG Greer on Twitter. You can follow me at Local Bones on Twitter. You can follow the podcast at MOTWCast. And yeah, I think that's it. Hey, Chris, we haven't done this yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you, you have started a new podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it's about to, it's to launch pretty soon. The first two yeah. episodes are done. It's mm-hmm. called The Pretenders Guild. And it's a podcast with me and my friend Dylan, who some people might know from the Chomp Chain podcast that I did. And it's a, I guess, a, a role-playing podcast. Uh, right now, we're covering the Elder Scrolls video game, Skyrim. Um, people may know of that. And we're kind of recounting our, our stories <laughs> that we... People uh, might have heard about Skyrim. People <laughs> might have heard of Skyrim. Uh, yeah, we, we're, re- uh, we're recounting our stories uh, of, our, of our gameplay, of the, uh, the characters that we play as in the game, and just retelling creatively the, the events of our, of our games. And that's, that's been pretty fun so far, so I'm looking forward to releasing that into the world. I think that, I'm, yeah, no, I'm guessing that by the time that this episode is up, that will be up. So you can look yeah. for that probably, hopefully, on iTunes, the Pretenders mm-hmm. Guild. And if not on iTunes, I'll put the the link to the main page on the show notes so you can kind of watch it and see updates from there because um, I listened to the first episode and liked it a lot. I think it's really a unique take on two dudes talking about a video game, which can get pretty stale <laughs> sometimes. So uh, yeah. definitely check it out because it's it's really fun listening to Chris get very involved with his lizard people. Or was Dylan the lizard people or were you the Did, Okay, people? first of all, they're called Argonians. Lizard people. Let's end this podcast. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with the feedback episode. The week after that, we'll be back with season six, episode one. We're going to get into it. Thank I you. Can't believe Bye. it. Bye. Bye. Oh yeah, they're totally lizard people. <laughs> I cannot believe.
No, Jeremy. <laughs> cool. Everything okay? I'm not. You want to talk? Yeah. Okay. Tell me what's, what's okay about this. Uh, <laughs> Sam Winchester just had to jump into hell. But not yeah. only that, he beat the snot out of Dean, and it was only through Dean's pleading brotherly love mm-hmm. that was able to pull Sam back from the brink. It definitely wasn't the uh, the viewers that Jared had like he was bringing back in. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Oh, I can't. Hold on. Mute. Unmute. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear Whoa! you. I think you just, Hol- holy you shit. Just, you just couldn't hear me. Jesus. Scared the shit just, out of me. I was just letting you know how raw I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just really emotionally uh, ripped to shreds. When you say ripped, you mean like your your muscles are, are ripped up, like your crying muscles are just fucking doing like thirty mm-hmm. pound reps. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I could produce tears anymore. <laughs> you thought you were dead inside. <laughs> I just no, you know, I feel plenty of emotions, but I never cry ever. I never mm-hmm. produce tears with my eyeballs. And I got that these got a couple tears from me. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful feeling. It was very very emotional. I tell you fucking what, man, when uh, Sam just starts beating the shit out of Dean, that's that's my fucking heart that he was hitting. Every single mm-hmm. fucking hit, that's just direct, Every- direct, to, direct to my heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's bad. Oh, I really, oh boy. That's, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> just a little ripped up emotionally. I feel like I'm just like, honestly, just fucking torn right now. Are you you on Natalie and Bruglia to, over there? Honestly, I got her playing in the background right now, bro. <laughs> I love Natalie Imbruglia. I think I may be even saying her name wrong or right. (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) Nothing's right. I'm torn. You know. Yep. That's that's exactly what I was thinking. Or nothing's fine. I don't I don't know the lyrics. It doesn't matter. It's just that I feel them. I don't have to know them to feel them. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. I uh, I I feel like you only know the lyrics in the moment anyway, right? Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. You know, it's weird. I actually um, think that he was doing, in some of these scenes, doing a better job as Lucifer than he was as Sam. And I'm like, you know what? Sam is a little much. <laughs> I do, too. It's especially egregious when you see the back and forth in the mirror. And, like, Lucifer yeah. Sam is all just like, I know exactly how you feel. I know what this must mean to you. And, then like, Mirror Sam is like, anime boy. Huh? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm... I'm, I'm I'm going to propose this theory in the podcast, but I really think Sam is anime, anime boy brought to life. Like he's yeah, that's why I like him so much. That's that explains a lot about why people like him so much. You know what, Jeremy? There it is. There it is. Mm. I don't know when the lyrics kick in, but just like give it a second. Is this about Sam Winchester? Dude. <laughs> Hold on, keep going. Let's get let's keep the rest of the lyrics. This might be about Sam Winchester. <laughs> This is when he's on the blizzy. Oh my god. Fuck. 
Oh my god. This is Dean singing to Sam. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, maybe maybe she took some liberties with the plot, you know? Okay, okay. Listen, listen. We need to find a way to either put that over like the final scene. <laughs> I could definitely do that. I will or, definitely. That's an easy thing to do, dude. I can totally do that. I will time it with the release of this episode. Holy shit, that is great. And, oh. <laughs> just do a quick, just do a quick YouTube check for supernatural torn and see if we can. I'm thinking like, oh man, I want to do the road so far, but with that song. <laughs> Don't you worry about that teen. Speaking of teens, you know it's Halloween, right? Oh yeah, it is Halloween. Do we need to do something spooky? No, we don't need to do anything spooky because this will be coming out on November 9th. Um, But my doorbell might ring. (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah. You you get trick-or-treaters? Not usually because the lights are off, but there is candy there. So to be like, hey, don't ring the fucking doorbell, just take the candy. Usually there's just candy that I'm going to eat, but it's there. I just the possibilities there. I'm not. I'm not getting up and answering the fucking door. But oh man, that, that fucking Natalie Brigley thing is gonna be great. I can't. I, I just can't wait. Missouri That guitar lick This is the song, this is the song that explains Supernatural to, pe- to, to everybody. This is going to be what it is. Is there a way we can make that song the intro? <laughs> I can, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Well, no, 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 no. Let's not do that because uh, I'm, I'm going to do the thing I did last season where I pulled clips and set them to a uh, fun song or something, to set them to Wayward Son. Or set them to Torn by. <laughs> or set them to Torn. I wonder if I can find an <laughs> instrumental version of that. That'd be fucking great. <laughs> Well, let's I'm gonna listen to the beginning again, see if it's possible to make it work. I'm Jeremy Greer. I'm Chris Mosher. I'm Chris Mosher. <laughs> and this is Monster, Monster of the Week. <laughs> Nobody's gonna know what the fuck we're doing. This is great. <laughs> and then we'll just fade out into a creepy but necessary podcast. <laughs> that's a good ass song that's a good ass song Chris I'm glad you got a kind of emotional tonight or else we wouldn't have discovered this yeah okay alright you ready to get to the next one let's do it Uh, as usual I need some water so (laughs) I'll be right back okay you're good yeah. Cool. Be right back.
Man, I'll never forget watching this finale for the first time. Being so emotionally invested in a TV show like this. Just, that's no, it's never happened to me before. I mean, I've, I think I talked last time about some shows that I liked, but how this has never, I never really had a show like this before. And I felt like it was actually going to end. I felt like I was about to watch the final episode. I, I can't really remember if they had announced if it was coming back or not at this point. But it was still huge. It still really felt like this was the end of Supernatural. All five seasons was leading up to this episode. Um, and man, oh man, did it throw me for a loop. But yeah, I, even watching it earlier tonight before we recorded this episode, I was really taken back to that to that time and like felt like a teenager again just watching this and feeling genuine, real feelings for uh, for these boys. And I think that my love for this episode has always been what brings me back to Supernatural. And I, and I was totally in love with the show long, long before this episode, but that's what really solidified it. episode.